Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Tell me something, my friend. You ever podcast with the devil in the pale moonlight? Sure, right. Never podcast another man's rhubarb. Yeah. <laughs> Check. You are my number one podcast. Did he just, that's all improv? That's what it seems like. It's him mocking Jack Palance, yeah. which feels a little mean within the same mean. movie. It's a little mean. Like the Palance picture rap? Um, Can I just dunk on him on camera now? <laughs> that weird, weird breathy old man. Palance is going to beat the shit out of Nicholson <laughs> if he sees this. Palance is, like, even at this old age, so physically intimidating. I know everyone, well, like... Well, also, he lived for another 15 years. That's right. the crazy part. And people talk about, like, the one-arm push-ups thing. But you just right, watch him in this right. and you're like, God, I wouldn't want to be punched by him. <laughs> he just seems like a real angry guy. What did he do for the next 15 years? Well, he does like... Two City Slickers. They City both Slicker come is after pretty this, much right? right after oh. this, right? That's and he 90? wins his Oscar, oh, 91. Are talking about yeah. that old guy? Yeah, yeah. that old guy. <laughs> that old guy. Curly. Ooh. That old guy is Curly. How much... And Curly's brother. How much yeah. is he in Curly... Like, City Slickers 2? A lot. Because he plays a different character or he something? He plays Curly's brother. Right, right, That was... Right, it's right. one of those dumb things where they were like, fuck the magic. Fuck, we killed off the good character in the first right. one. The right. thing that really like popped in this movie was the interaction... So then they have to be like, I'm Curly's brother. He never talked about, I got the exact same energy as Curly. <laughs> <laughs> so they're searching for Curly's goal. That's what, right? It's called. Yes. The Legend of Curly's The Legend of Curly's Goal. I've never seen that. So I haven't seen that one either. Curly's brother is like, of course, I've heard a lot about you. Three guys that Curly spent four days with across his <laughs> 80 years. And you're the only people who can help me. He also did that movie with Chevy Chase, Cops and Robertson. I think one of Ben's favorite movies, right? Another, yeah, great film. <laughs> also never seen that one. It's no, a holiday film. Uh, it's very fun. That's sort of the end of it for him. But it was like, this was sort of his like late career revival. Like, the, like Burn putting him in this felt like kind of kitschy. And then he has City Slickers, which is like his career peak and then he does like a couple shitty comedies and then he's also retired. in tango and cash around now oh does he play like the chief or something he's like the third lead in that i've never seen it i bet he's like the chief or the bad guy or something right sure yeah and look he's my number one guy uh that's right welcome to palance cast i don't know why are we talking so much Pal- he's in two scenes yeah they're good scenes they are good scenes i always I used to watch this movie with my dad because it would be on a lot, I guess. Uh And he wouldn't let me watch the nasty scenes because I was very little. We're talking when I'm like five or six years old. Yeah. So he would not let me watch the um, handshake buzzer. Right. Which is very upset. I think it's upsetting. though. It's weird. It's one of those things. I mean, when you're a little kid. You've seen a cartoon. Fair enough. And he wouldn't let me watch the Jack Pounce getting murdered scene, which is not bad at all. It's just he's just shot to death. Right. And there was some other, just, I guess maybe something to do with the smile X, probably some weird, you uh, know, anything sort of nightmarish. So what did he do with like the kinky stuff in Batman Returns? Did he well, just... no, I was unaware of Batman Returns. That uh, one was not on my radar really? until, until a little later. Okay. Yeah. But that was the one. That one is f- f- weird. I mean, yes. that one is, I mean, and the penguin biting the guy's nose. We'll talk about iconic. this next week, but that was the one Very where iconic. like parents protested. Right. Like now, that movie caused like controversy. Right. Yeah. My parents, um, that was my first movie in the theaters. I don't really? Know. Returns? My parents weren't, wow. Yeah, I guess my parents weren't invited to the protest. I remember <laughs> wanting to see it <laughs> so badly because I, I was 
three or four when it came out, why see it so badly and being like so simultaneously revulsed and entranced by the poster that that the bat, the uh-huh. cat, the penguin poster, yeah, was just like this is upsetting and appealing to me. I was young enough when that movie was being was out, yeah, that. Uh, I would see the posters all the time, but I didn't know much about like movie stars yet. So I had just assumed they were the three biggest movie stars of all time. I mean, the bat, the cat, the penguin. No, but no, no. The one where it's like Michelle, yeah, uh, yeah, Michael, Danny DeVito, Michelle. I'm like, they must be for them to be on top of this poster. They must be the best actors ever. Keaton Pfeiffer, DeVito, right? They did last names last. No, I'm saying it wasn't. No, no, no. no. It's their full name. Really, there's one I feel like that is. Well, the Batman poster is Nicholson Nicholson, Keaton. Keaton, right? Yeah. The, mm. with just the logo, just the, uh, yeah, you know uh, that, you know, uh, yeah, amazing poster, a really, really smart poster. I get angry sometimes about how good that poster is. Oh, you get angry? I'll tell you You're why. Getting angry too much. I'm furious. <laughs> we just did our ad reads. Get ready for those. He's gonna scream at you the whole time. Spoiler alert! I just got a text message that my Brooklyn delivery is on the way. Um, this of course is a blank check with Griffin <laughs> and David. I'm Griffin Newman. David Sims. Podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career to give them a series of blank checks to make whatever the crazy passion projects they want. just the logo. This is what I'm going to talk about right, one second right. when I'm done with the intro. <laughs> this, of course, is a series on the films of Tim Burton. Yep. It's called Podward Scissorcast. Of course. And this is the definition of massive success early on in your career that gives you a series of blank checks to make whatever the hell you want. Sure. He's still essentially- He's still cashing this check. Yeah. If when Disney's like do Dumbo for us, they're still like you're the guy who did Batman and thing. it was good. He's right? had massive successes since, sure. but he yes. also could yeah. be downing out just on Batman for Pretty the rest much, of time because this movie essentially invents the modern blockbuster. Yeah. You know, you go there are these like paradigm shift moments where it's like you have like Jaws and uh, and uh, Star Wars in the seventies, sure. right? And then I feel like this is a big shift. This movie, and then uh, uh, Dark Knight and Iron Man and in 2008 yeah. but essentially from 89 to 2008 mm. like this is the template that everyone's Star working driven, off of big brand movies what were you just reacting to Iron Man or Dark Knight just c- cinema today oh. yeah. you know I like I like both of those movies yeah. but uh, right, right. Where, where it's led us you know uh-huh. sure and you know? most people have taken the wrong lessons from both of sure. those movies right, right. there right. was a thing even to bad movies in the wake of Batman where the thing that we're really latching on to was this uh, sense of an event like a cultural event. And that's why that poster makes me angry. It makes me angry because this movie came out when I was four months old and I didn't live through this. Uh But if I had seen this at any age where I was like alert and aware and interested about cinema, I would have been like, no one's ever going to top that. Uh Because you had Mm -hmm. this thing where it was like, Batman is like culturally omnipresent. Everyone knows what what Batman is. He's existed for decades in different permutations. That logo is so universally recognized. I mean, I remember hearing this stat once that Batman and Superman have 99% global awareness. Mm-hmm. 99% of the population of the planet right, Earth. Right, 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 you right, could right, show right. them the logo and they'd know. And the fact that they were like, we're making a serious Batman movie. All they had to do was just put the logo on a poster with the date and it was sold. And there's like nothing else you can really do that with. Yeah. Like when people try to do similarly minimis, well, minimalist teaser posters, what I was thinking now. of here's the t- poster what for the shadow, exactly. right? Uh, the oh, 1993 the or four Alec Baldwin film, The Shadow, yeah, based right. on the famous radio play. Yes, where there the poster is just a carbon copy, right? It's like mm-hmm. a cool image, yeah, a tagline, nothing else, no actor, no name, 
but they're like, you get it, right? And of course, no one got it or no one cared, right? You know, like it's it's uh, difficult to replicate. People tried to do this like a lot after this. I mean, I feel like the Batman Forever teaser poster is just the question mark with the date with yeah, no title. Yeah. I think yeah. the Alien 3 poster is similarly, maybe it's some version of an egg or a chest burster, but it's kind of oblique. Like everyone tried to do this and Batman was like the one instance where that totally fucking worked. They could have done the same thing with the original Christopher Reeve Superman poster and they didn't. And the fact that they had the confidence of Batman just like that, put it up in no, a fucking bus shelter. What, what is the Superman poster actually? Superman is great. It's, uh, but it's the, got it's, a lot of text on it. It's a great poster. Well, it has, it has a great tagline right. though. You'll believe a man can fly. I it's mean, that's good. Uh, it's not as good. I think it's a very good poster. I just love the audacity of like, we don't need to say anything else. Right. At this right. point, we don't need to tell them who's in the movie. It's just the logo and a date sure. and everyone would go, oh, fuck, there's a Batman movie. Right. Our guest today is K. Austin Collins. Hi. <laughs> from Vanity Fair. Hey, Ken. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. How's it going? So you go by K. Austin on Twitter. Uh, I mean, in my byline. In your byline. Because David was like saying like, oh, Cam's interested in being on the show. And I was like, Cam Collins. I've never heard of Cam Collins. Oh, it's true. People get confused. And then I was I've been reading your stuff for years and I follow you on Twitter. And I I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's almost like you have a Batman and a Bruce Wayne. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it is very, this hasn't happened yet, but I'm waiting for it to happen where someone's Mm -hmm. like talking shit about me and they don't know that it's me. Right. Oh, they're like, I would love for that to happen. You want someone to be roaming through your mansion, making fun of all the suits of armor you have from all your international travels. And I will sneak up behind them. Yeah. (laughs) And then steal the girl. Be like, fuck you, Arliss. Yeah. Arliss kind of vanishes from this movie. Well, you know, he's he's so memorable. Yeah, sure. He's supposed to die. Oh, sure. You know, there's that weird shot at the end of um, the Joker parade when Uh she hits him with the car and then you see him lying on a pile of trash. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be his death, uh-huh. and apparently, like John Peters and uh, Peter Goober were like, "Fucking wool, you're popping in this movie. We need you for the sequel. <laughs> right. We can't kill you off." Like sure. one of those stories, like they saved Jeff Goldblum because he was like connecting too hard. Julian and sure. Yeah. sure, right? Except they didn't bring him back. <laughs> right? Again. No one cares. But so well, they like no have room him for him in like the kinky universe. No, of Catwoman. No. <laughs> No and that also, there. that feels like, that character feels like, this is the thing I find so fascinating about this movie. I think Batman Returns is a superior film because Batman Returns is just like pure, uncut, Burton, like no strings attached. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Sure. And this sure. movie is fascinating because it's like a really clear Burton vision, but him having to like reckon with the demands of like temple filmmaking and the things they think they need to sell the movie and the things that are like, you know popular cliches of the of the action films of that time and somehow it still works mm. like the robert wool character shouldn't work in a tim burton movie he feels like he's from a shittier batman directed by like you know a shittier journeyman director mm-hmm. and the sure. prince songs Peter like Hines. prince fucking rules but sure. prince is an entirely different vibe the prince songs are an interesting addition to this movie could you hum one of those songs off no. the top of your head i feel sure. like i've seen this movie and I trust. I know. Yeah, that's the one, right? right? And the other one. The party man. The, this I is, owned the soundtrack. Because I, I, I think still own present tense. Yeah, the right, right. I own it. I mean, I guess I still own it. It's on, it on, on CD, wherever yeah. my CD yeah. is. But I remember when I was a kid buying it and being like, wait a second, there's not like the theme song. The Batman like, song. Right, right, yeah, right, no, like, right. It was a big deal that this movie had two separate soundtracks. Right, right. That both of them. And that both of them like charted. Gangbusters, right. But this is like, these are the things that make this movie insane. People are like, oh, yeah, Prince wrote a couple songs for that Batman movie. 
No, Prince wrote a Batman album. Yeah, he wrote like nine songs. Yeah. yeah. That's what's insane. And we don't talk about that the were other like six. They're very inspired by the Adam West Batman, like the old, right. the cartoonish Batman. But also, yeah. one of the songs, I, the one that I think is the banger of the album, Vicky Waiting, is just about Batman ghosting Vicky Vale. Like, it's a song very much inspired by the plot of 1989's Batman. And it's about Vicky waiting by the phone. And you're like, he sat down and was like, what's my Vicky Vale song? You know, like he had to like, (laughs) yeah, a guy who always followed his own muses, like Prince, like no one can rein him in. No one could tell him what to do. They were like, write nine songs about Batman. He was like, cool, write on it. How did that happen, actually? Do you know? Yeah, what's the, how do they talk I don't know how they talked him into it. I, I understand. I'm guessing it was tied to all his movies were at Warner Brothers at that time. Oh, you're right. You know, so like post Purple sense. Rain, right? So he they, did maybe they're like more films. Yeah, so maybe it's like let's do cross media. Let's 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 have a Batman everything. Right, and maybe he liked yes. Batman. It was designed by Warner Brothers. He's a Warner Brothers stablemate. Right, he was on Leverage, their record label. Yeah, his his talent. Uh, it was recorded in six weeks. Crazy. Electric Chair, Scandalous, and Vicky Waiting are s- old songs. Vicky Waiting used to be called Anna Waiting. Oh, okay. About that's, his then girlfriend. That's crazy because it tracks so well. Right. And he obviously he like well fucks with us. I like that Prince was He's like Prince. Yeah. A mysterious right. millionaire. I also like that Prince was like, oh, I gotta write a song about how frustrating it is to be Batman's girlfriend. Oh, I'll use that song about being Prince's girlfriend. <laughs> he once <laughs> same <laughs> difference. He once said in an interview, I feel like it's Prince the exact would, same thing. Prince would just say shit sometimes, but he once said in an interview Say shit like I'm Batman. Uh that it was supposed to be a collaboration between himself and Michael Jackson. Okay. Where Michael mm. Jackson was gonna be the Batman of the album and, and he was Prince gonna be, would the, be Joker. the Joker. Right. I think that's too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like Jackson would come in and do like a, a heroic ballad and yeah. then Prince would come in and do like a weird funk villain song. That literally, that is what I'm reading. That album right would now. also like shatter glasses <laughs> in a like cartoon <laughs> opera singer right, way. Right. If it's just both Prince and Jackson in their upper register singing about batarangs. Uh, each song's accredited to a character. So the future and scandalous are for Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Electric chair, party man, and the trust are for the Joker. Right. Vicky waiting is sung from the perspective of Bruce Wayne, while Lemon Crush comes from Vicky Vale. Bob the Goon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, weird. He threw out twenty-seven he songs. For it. I mean, I just like that he that's went for it. Yeah, yeah he did. right, right. He did. But that's I, like, I don't think of any song as tied to Batman, though, or really even Vicky. It, it really is just like the Joker. Only the Joker. Well, those are the only two songs. Yes. The only right, two right, they right, play right. within the body of the film right. are the two like Joker. Like I'm gonna have fun. You know, it's him yes. at at the parade, and it's him in the museum, and it's very much like this is Joker's like getting into trouble anthems, and it's it's. Classic. Right. And then they play. I mean, Jack Nicholson really. Oh, yeah. He moves. He does. I do love, though, this feels I like. dancing villains. Yeah, yeah too. totally. This you know? does feel to me like the holiday, though, where the songs weren't written when they filmed it. And Nicholson yeah. is just like. <laughs> right. He, they're just like, just jam it. I'm, yeah, right, I'm going right. to dance at a rhythm that you could set anything into. <laughs> like, he's just like doing a lot of like flailing and pointing at people. And he's got a lot of props. Like, he looks like he's having a great time. He does look and like he he's having a It's why the movie works. Because he's just like, it's kind of like. Um, Meryl Streep and Mamma Mia or whatever yes, where you're sure. like this serious person is being so silly and like totally happy about it where they're just like 
they're just welcoming you into the movie. You know, just it's fine. It's fun. We're all having and, and fun here. I would argue that his casting alone changes Hollywood forever. Sure. The yes. mere fact that he signs on to this movie changes Hollywood. And it's also just, yeah, it's crazy to think, right, when you're making this movie, you need Nicholson to give your movie credibility. Whereas yeah. now it's like these people, you know, big famous actors, they'll they'll play the fifth lead in fucking Aquaman or whatever. Like what? You know, sure. Like sign That's me up. That's depressing. Right. It's true though, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait, Did Dick Tracy come before this or after, after this? Dick Tracy's after. a year Dick after. Tracy's after this. Yes. Because that's that one of my favorite yes. things. There's so many. That's 1990, yes. The year there's after. so many things that, like, uh, cultural artifacts and, like, trends and weird, like, movements that come out of this movie. But one of them is that everyone misinterpreted the success of this movie. And rather than making more superhero films. Right. They do, like, 30s yeah. gangster movies. <laughs> For the next eight years, they do. Because the shadow is that. They do the shadow. Yeah. They do the, the phantom. Yeah. The saint. Yeah. Like, it's all, like, these, like, kind of noirish. Yes. Noir-ish. There's another big what one. What's the one with Billy Zane? That's the Phantom. That's the Phantom. Phantom. Yeah, Slam okay. Evil. Which, you know, the great story about the Phantom is that Joe Dante was supposed to direct it, and he wrote it as a comedy that was sort of like a very Joe Dante, like matinee-style, like loving look at the old serials. Sounds amazing. And then they had like production delays, and he- I would love to see that movie. Dropped off the project because he was supposed to make something else, and they hired a new director who worked off of the script that Joe Dante developed, and no one told him it was a comedy. Oh, no. <laughs> and he was like, I went to the screening, and I assumed they had like thrown out most of my stuff, and I was like, no, they just misinterpreted everything. He, The director of Free Willy. It, Russell McKay? No, uh, no he Simon Winter. Russell McKay, he did The Shadow. Okay. I don't think I've seen The Shadow. I never saw it. It's weird. Alec Baldwin? Yes. Alec well, Baldwin. that's he, Maybe it did. The funniest thing about The Shadow is that, like, you go 1987, Tim Burton, okay, we're going to let you make Batman. Who do you want to play Batman? He's like, oh, my God, I just worked with this actor on Beetlejuice who would be perfect <laughs> for Batman. He has the voice. He has sure, the steely right. intensity. The smoldering McKees one. They're like, great, we already have Baldwin on the phone. He's like, hang up. I'm talking <laughs> Keaton. <laughs> you know that guy with the kind of puffy hair that's a little receding already? Okay, so I, I have like a thousand things to talk about in this episode. But like my yes, pin tweet. I know, I'm kind of letting you talk. My pin tweet. My pin tweet as I know, has I was been thinking for about years. It. Right. I think it's from 2015, sure. 14. Right. I tweeted while rewatching this movie late one night. Uh, Michael Keaton's hair in, in Batman gives me uh, a hope that I might be able to play a superhero someday. Right. Because right. I remember just watching this and being like, you. this guy looks so fucking unconventional in it's this movie. So he doesn't weird. fit into no the abs. archetype. No right, abs. All of no. this. And I was just like, it's not ever going to happen, but I watched this and wonder if maybe there's a window through, I, where, through which I could sneak. And then once I got cast on the tick, I immediately pinned that tweet. Yeah, no, I, 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 of course. Of like, course, I got to like, Babe Ruth call my shot. Like, I fucking did it. Uh, my hair is also so much puffier in season two. I was like full key. Puff it up. Right. Yeah. His hair is so puffy. Give me the flip I in just, the back. All I was thinking the whole right. time was like, how did they let this hair be on screen? It's so weird. And especially because every like interpretation of Bruce Wayne is like so clean cut, like so yeah. traditional, generically handsome matinee idol. Mm-hmm. And Keaton's a handsome guy, but he's a weird kind of handsome. Like, he's got yes. weird he's just, features. He's a marquee idol guy. He doesn't have, like, angular features at all. No, he's got 45-degree eyebrows. <laughs> but he does have mysterious lips. Right. He's got really mysterious lips. The mysterious lips work. Those deep crevices on the yes. sides of his mouth. And then that weird pointy nose. Like, it's like he's got a really bizarre face that is so compelling to watch. It's extremely compelling with a mask on. Yeah. It is a little weird when he takes the mask off. A he, little bit. Why does—you're right. He looks really good with the mask on. 
But he, and, like the pursed lips thing is yeah, really good. It, right. It's the lips. It's because you're just looking right at his lips. Whereas Bale doesn't have that. No. Well, yeah. Bale's I mean, got eyes. He's right. got, you know, very weird, intense uh, eyes. But, so that's a performance that screams uh, overcompensation for what Michael Keaton has that he does. When you're watching yeah. this again, where he just picks him, he's like, I'm Batman. Like, rather than, I'm Batman. The, you know, he's not the doing one that. thing that I think Bale does better than Keaton, and I think it's mostly because they don't ask Keaton to do it which Bale is really good at. I think this is the whole reason they cast him as Batman, playing the role of Right, when he's Bruce Wayne, he's very heightened, he's very silly. Because that's like the Patrick Bateman, like that's why you cast him. He's a really good Bruce Wayne. In the sort of traditional, right. And then I, but I, yeah. Keaton knows that this guy is a lunatic. Okay, I'm going to get to all this. So can I speed <laughs> yes. around this shit? I mean, yes. especially in Batman Returns, yeah. which we'll talk about. But even in this one, you're like, he's so bored. I'm like, go- I'm going to yeah. get to when this. he's Bruce Wayne. I'm going to speed around this shit as much as I can. He okay? just feels distracted. Like when someone's talking, it's just like, oh yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has kind of a space cadet, but that's that's, yeah. that's, that's which that's I like. So appealing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's better than. Or not, but I th- I like that version of Bruce Wayne versus yeah. the like oh he's just doing a performance. I like the well with uh, this this villain, guy can't yeah. wait to be Batman. Like, I can't have a gung ho Batman against fucking goofball. Jack right? Yeah, sure. It right. You know, yeah. Joker songs. Yeah, your like, crimes are will be Prince yes. Parade. I can't have like a gung ho. No one ever. Guy. Right. No one ever says to the Joker like think of like the people you've killed like, you know, like no one's ever like trying to reason with it it's like yeah. I fucking date model shut up <laughs> Mick Jagger's wife yeah Jerry Hall uh, yes uh, alright go ahead speed round because this because harping on this I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this and then go back to the beginning okay okay I do think in terms of like how well Keaton's face fits that mask how much it transforms and his mouth and his eyes have all these power it's framed by that cow A I think the cow is really well designed, and I think I picked up on watching this time. I'm holding in a burp. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm like looking. I'm like, are you gonna throw up? I took a massive toke. Uh, you know, I'm constantly doobing on this show. Um, they actually sent out an email about um, the all the vaping you've been doing in the studio. I've been vaping like crazy. Right, uh, it is are a problem. You in trouble? Yeah, this I hotbox the studio every week, and these mics smell like dang. Which is push. hard to do with a vape. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I light it on fire. So why did you guys discontinue that the week that I'm here? Oh, come on, Ben. Get out here. Well, the the building cracked down. Ben's got his jaunty um, Christmas light necklace on right now, though. Yeah. It's pretty cool. No, I do love that. Ben's getting ready for the holiday party. Is that plugged in somewhere? Nope. No. Check this out. Oh! It's it's flashing more now. It's running off Ben's Christmas spirit. (laughs) 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 It's plugged straight into his heart. What do you want to okay, talk about? Here are a couple things I'm going to say. Okay. One, I think the way the mask transforms him, A, it has to do with like, and I picked up on this time, but uh, the angle of mm-hmm. the uh, eyebrows. eyebrows on the mask are the same as Keaton's eyebrows. They are. Yes. Whereas yes. like um, Bale's mask has like a furrowed brow, very, right. lots of wrinkles. Like his is just very simple. Yeah. And, and the Adam West and a lot of the comics of like the like, Adam the West 70s, has the weird the curled painted eyebrow. Curled yeah, ones, but they look more sort of inquisitive and these ones are like very arch angry eyebrows. Um, but even the way his mouth transforms, it reminds me of RoboCop where like you look huh. at Peter Waller and you're like, oh, Peter Waller, cool. And then when you put that helmet on him, suddenly you're like, this guy has the most beautiful lips in the world. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> it's this very specific kind of vision that like Verhoeven and Burton both clearly had of like, I see the elements of his face that are really going to pop when we put him in this mask. 
this costume in a way a generically handsome man wouldn't necessarily. George Clooney, for example, right. is not a good no, Batman not at all. mask. Right, right, no. right, right. At all. It's just sort of formless, weirdly. Right. And or, the same like thing. A, an attractive guy. But. The same yeah. thing with Affleck, where you're like, he's got a good chin. Like, he yeah. looks like Batman, but it's not interesting. Affleck's such a meathead Batman. It's so weird. Like, Batman used to have a jaw, you know? Yes. What happened? Yes. Well, Affleck's jaw is so specific. And then, but then with the lips, I will shout out Val Kilmer. Yes, has great lips. Yeah. Yes, and I am a I'm a more of a fan of his Batman than you are. Uh, he's my least favorite Batman. Um, is he? No, Clooney is horrendous. I think Clooney I, is much better. Clooney than I love was George done Clooney. Dirty by that, movie. I agree. he was done dirty Thank by you. the movie. Clooney could have been a good Batman. Maybe it's sort of hard to think. if you. One day we're going to rewatch the movie. It's, we will. He, he's mostly Bruce Wayne in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, Kilmer. No, no, Clooney. Clooney like, yeah. you know, he's got like this turtleneck on like yeah. half the movie and he's kind of just like sitting by the fire wondering if he should marry Al McPherson. Bobbing like, his head. Yeah, yeah. bobbing his head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, I don't remember a single thing he does like as Batman in that movie. Uh, he just kind of stands goes, around. Robin, Alfred's dying. He's not he sick, stands he's out dying. of the way for Chris O'Donnell to be hot as Robin. Yeah. Right. Chris O'Donnell like a good peak. friend. Yes. yes. Okay, speed round stuff. Okay. I'll yes. cycle back around to this because the real moment this movie comes together is the, is the casting choice of Michael Keaton, but you guys talking about like the weird haunted quality. Burton goes to Keaton and goes, look, they're letting me direct Batman. I want you to be Batman. Right. And Keaton goes, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> they won't let you do it. I'm not a good choice and I wouldn't want to do it. Uh-huh. And he goes, just read the script and he tell gives me- like a Sherman-esque statement. Like I right. won't do it and I will not like run if asked or right. whatever. Yeah. And he's like, read the script. Tell me what you think. And okay. he reads it and Same by Keaton's script. account, he says, like, you know, I, I read it and I had a very specific take on it. There was one thing that jumped out to me and I said, met up with Tim and I went, look, I got one thing from this script, but I don't think it's what you want out of this character and I don't think they'd let me do it. Uh-huh. And he goes, what's the thing you got? And he goes, this guy's insane. Right, right, right. This guy right. has not been able to process his trauma. Sure. He's like on the verge of a mental breakdown. He seems like a kind of normal, boring guy, but the only way he can prevent himself from having like a full psychotic break is to dress up as a bat. Like, this is his weird, insane coping mechanism, and he's so lonely, and he's so haunted. Where's the lie? And Tim Burton was like, yeah, that's the movie I want to yeah. make. Right, right, right. And they yeah. were like, okay, cool, then let's Burton's do like, it. You're if, on my wavelength. If you we're think getting... you can sell them on that, that's what I want to do, which is the smartest interpretation that anyone's had into this character. Right. That Batman is this coping mechanism, and that's the thing that really blossoms with uh, uh, Batman Returns, where it's like three people dealing with acts of cruelty by creating these, like, disassociative personas. Well, and also, Batman Returns is the one where he's just sitting in his chair looking out the window, waiting for the bats. My background roll. on my phone, my right, favorite moment right. of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is so up. funny. My background on I my phone I just think that is moment is so funny him. where he's just, like, it, bored. It <laughs> right. It's the moment where he looks oh, over. Oh, that's amazing. Sees, yeah. Um, so, uh, in the 1970s, uh-huh. there was a man named Michael Uslan. Okay. who is one of the luckiest people in the history of Hollywood. He did a couple really smart things, but the amount of money he's made off of decisions he made in the 70s, I cannot even begin okay. to calculate. All right, all right. He gains notoriety <laughs> for being the person who, in the 1970s, starts fighting for comic books to be viewed as a legitimate medium. Sure, yes. Oh, yeah. Satan. Yes. <laughs> yes. His name was uh, 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 Lord of Darkness. Right. From looking at him, he looks like a big nerd. He's like a nerd from Bayonne, New Jersey. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally from Bayonne, New Jersey. He's a nerd from Bayonne, mm-hmm. New Jersey. He liked comic books. He liked comic books. He collected them? Yes. And he's the guy who's like, 
If you read the old Batmans, like this is a dark character. It's not the Adam West thing. He had this irritation. Huh. He was the guy who'd correct people and go like, actually. And his he, what he said, the bane of his existence was every time anyone wrote about Batman, they'd put the words like pow or bang within the same sentence. Uh-huh. Because the association was so much. The, the Adam West TV show had, right. Which I think dominated. people have now come around to loving the Adam West show for what it is. But right. there was a period of time sure. where people that were was like. A, that was a comedy. Like that was written and performed as a comedy. Right. right. And the Batman right. comic books were always meant for kids, but right. they were based in sort of the psychological trauma of this guy. And they removed that whole spine from, you know, it's just a, a detective show with a fun right. guy. Right beating fun villains who and, aren't really threatening. And we associate Pow with Mark Maron shitting his pants. Right, of course now. <laughs> uh-huh. That is the association. He stole Pow from Batman, and we stole it from him. Um, what goes around comes around. So, uh, Uslan uh, started, like, uh, a comic book class in his college. Uh, as he, the person, as the professor. As a student, they had a thing oh. at his college where you could like start an accredited class. You have to make a, a you know, a case and get uh, approval from a faculty member. And he went to the folklore guy and he gave him this whole pitch about like, you know, the, the professor was like, I like funny books when I was a kid, but come sure. on, grow up. Right. And he was like, look, what's the story of Superman? What's the story of Moses? And he was like, <laughs> oh, they send the child oh. down the river. Oh my God, you're right. It is the same as the Bible. Uh-huh. And he fucking folklore guy, <laughs> right? This this very Joseph Gamble, this very uh, you know opportunistic uh, young nerd from New Jersey. Yep, uh, got a lot of press for this class because this was this drum he really wanted to bang. Yes, and he's right. He called in the, the the local radio stations and newspapers and was like, "You hear they're teaching a comic book class? What's this world coming to?" So that they would cover wow. it and it would bring more attention to right. it. And that led to him sort of becoming a preeminent figure and sort of being brought onto panel shows and talk about these things and eventually being brought into DC to write comics for them. So he's writing like low level sort of side DC titles. But he gets really into the idea of we need to make like real DC movies. And this is the 70s. Superman's already started, but no one else is trying to make any other superhero movies. Yes. And Superman was seen as an anomaly. Well, they got a couple really good actors in it. Richard right. Donner's like a pro. Hackman, Superman right. is so iconic. Yeah. But it was still like any of these characters that originated in serials. You know, there was still this like separation of church and state where it's like TV is shittier than film. You know, genre things aren't real movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. All this sort of stuff. So he makes a deal with uh, DC uh, for the rights to Swamp Thing for like no money. Okay. He's like, I'd like to try to make a Swamp Thing movie, which he eventually gets Wes Craven to do. Uh, and they're like, no one else is asking for Swamp Thing, so you can do it. And he has a friend <laughs> whose dad is a film producer named Menneker. Okay. And he goes like, I really think there's money in trying to make a Batman movie. Right. So he gets that guy to put up the money, and they get... Benjamin Menneker. Benjamin go. Menneker. Melnicker. Okay. They... Melnicker, mm -hmm. excuse me. Right. They have credits on every Batman movie Thank that's you. ever happened. They right. from DC hmm. work out a deal where they license the rights to Batman in perpetuity in any movie. <sighs> also, including any other characters created within the Batman universe. Wow. Yeah, he like he's a producer on, on the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Yes. That we all remember very so well. His record is spotless. Exactly. He's I mean, he's a producer on on like any TV show, Teen like Titans, the cartoons, go to the all those things. The only thing they didn't get was TV. Lego movie? They didn't get, yes. They didn't wow. get TV, but it does cover animation. So he gets from the Lego movie. Uh, Melnicker died at 104 like a couple years ago. Usland's still going strong. Yep. The Executive producer on all the Lego movies. Right. 
And that's like oh the, God. the lifetime of payment he gets for pushing this thing up a hill for a decade. Sure, right. Because no one wanted to fucking make it. So he Why was Batman? Because like, that was his favorite. Because that was his favorite. He loved good it. Choice. And he was yeah, like, Batman's good. this is a reclamation project. Right. And he was like, after Superman, Batman's the next logical one. I'm going to get to it before anyone else. And I assume everyone will want to make it. And I have a real take on how to do it. And his thing from the get-go was... Bring it back, take away the West associations, right. make it dark and haunted and all this sort of right. stuff. Right, and at the same time in the 80s, the Batman comics are getting more dark again and Alan Moore is writing well, the that's what helps them. and things like that. Because yeah. at this point, it's 1979, they pitch it to literally every studio and right. everyone passes. CBS wanted to produce a film called Batman in Outer Space. Did you know that? These are the things that were getting thrown around. Mm-hmm. Or like Ivan Reitman was like, I'd love to do Batman with Bill Murray. And it's like a parody of... Of the Adam West shit, right. Right. You know, it's like us doing like a parody of a square-jawed serial I would watch movie. that. I would watch that. I mean, all these things would be interesting. I think that's what Lost in Translation was. On their own. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that was about. Yeah. With Scarlett Johansson as Vicky Vale. Right. Um, I mean... Vicky, Vicky Vale. But he's like really adamant about like, this is the way you bring back Batman. And they can't get it going anywhere. They eventually go to Peter Goober, Casablanca's record producer, film producer. He sells, signs on to it. Right. So now they're shopping it around. And Goober very quickly is like, Warner Brothers is going to want this back. Right. New head of Warner Brothers comes in, goes like, you licensed Batman out to whom? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a Variety story. It's the front page of Variety, but it's like the sixth story down like like reams below like ABC dips and Thursday night ratings right, 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 is right. Warner Brothers licenses Batman rights sure. from Melnicker and Usland. So they signed some deal that it must have been the best contract of all time. Because yeah. you know if there was any wiggle room for them to get out of that, they would have by now. But these guys still get money for every Batman movie. Because they had set up like the Batman Film Company, and technically Warner Brothers is licensing the characters from the Batman Film Company. These guys That's are geniuses. Smart. It's amazing. One day he will die. Yes, and then I yeah, don't know then what happens. happens. I don't know. Right? I don't know. I don't know if it goes on to his children or if they have it written out yeah, that it, it ends I would at that point. Have yeah. children just to have <laughs> right? them. Yes, just to bequeath them yeah. Batman. Yeah, he should adopt every. <laughs> Their first words will be, "This stays in the family." Yes, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. The most precious bloodline of all time. That's go- amazing. I, was this? I mean, this mistake could never have been made again, right? I'm sure. No. Studios no. That's were why I'm saying. And it, like, there's so many cases where they find ways to fuck people over with deals that should work like that. Right. And the fact that this guy with like almost no other status, like he From created Bayonne. the cartoon show Dino Saucers, and he has like maybe three non Batman, non Swamp Thing credits in his entire career. The spirit. Uh, uh, yes, that. Right. Uh, that was, Constantine, I think you produced. Yes. Like, there's a couple, a couple other of the comic DC things. But that was right. because he liked uh, uh, the uh, the spirit so much. Yeah. He was originally developing the shadow with Sam Raimi when uh, yeah. Raimi was trying to make that movie. That would have been good. I mean, that would have like, been better. This was the guy who like <laughs> fixed Batman, so yeah. people were trying to Raimi bring him on for that spirit. Sort of Yes. Raimi would be perfect for the spirit. Brad Bird should have made the spirit. That's Raimi should have made the shadow. Right. Raimi's okay, a big shadow. Whatever. Whatever. Brad Bird should do a Spider Man movie. I mean, Brad Bird Someone, would be yeah. ideal for a movie like that. Yes. Or Fantastic Four. Also, Some someone kind should of do a like, Spider-Man movie where he's finally gay. Because, hello, he's so gay. But he's we can, fairly... We can well, I mean, okay, well, actually, no. I want to hear the take. Give me the take. Give me the take. <laughs> it's just an instinct. I don't have any science to <laughs> So Spider-Man, he's like a I'm looking queen. At, I'm looking at things with Mary Jane, and I'm like, because he's gay. He's just pinging for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, he's, he's gay. But we, we don't have to go there. We don't want to out him or anything. Whereas, like, I feel like Batman, like many a superhero, is 
fairly asexual. Batman especially, though, because Batman's relationship with women is always sort of like well, except one for. My favorite Batman moment, which is in Batman Forever, when <sighs> Nicole Kidman pulls when she the summon, bat signal summons him to her cough. roof, yes, yes, yes. yeah, and just yes. shows up in like a negligee, like so. Batman's She's like, "What's the fuck?" An insane character, uh, Doctor Chase Meridian. Doctor Chase, Chase Meridian. Meridian. The IMDb trivia page says, uh, "Like fun fact, uh, the name Doctor Chase Meridian is a play on the fact that she is chasing Batman." <laughs> uh, yes, she is, and she's a. Uh, I mean, it sounds like just, a geometry book name, but right. it's fine. It's good. It's hot. She's great. She's great. She's Remember awesome. Remember when movie. superhero movies were about sex appeal? She's yes. the only. Long time ago. She's the only like girlfriend character who ever got billing in those first four movies. You know what I mean? Like Elle McPherson. Right. Or, I guess Basinger is Basinger's above the title, but not not in oh, the not above, and stuff, Yes, right. You know, but, but she does yeah, get Basinger's pretty high. Yeah, yes, um, anyway, and I guess Catwoman. You know, kind of can have a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get to that next episode. Yeah, I can't wait. But they're just pushing this uphill, uphill. No one's buying it. No one's getting it. People go, what if you did this instead? What if you did the Bill Murray version? What about this? Yeah. And they're like, we need a, a vision. We need someone who can sell this. Sure. And this executive at Warner Brothers, whose name I'm forgetting, was the one who saw Tim Burton short films and like brought him into Warner Brothers and was like, you're a fucking director. And Burton has said, like not even as a joke, it was more difficult for me getting hired to like restaurant jobs in high school than it was getting films because this woman was such a champion in me early on that she was like, we want you here. You clearly have a voice and a vision and all of this. Okay. So he makes Pee Wee. And then after Pee Wee, she recommends to Goober and Uzlan and Melnicker and all these people, you should check out this Burton kid. So he's already sort of talking about Batman before Beetlejuice. The movie doesn't get greenlit until after Beetlejuice does well. Batman being made was conditional on Beetlejuice performing well because they had so little faith in a Batman movie that they were like, we need to make sure the director has a good track record. Right, okay. I mean... Well, I'm glad that Beetlejuice... I mean, Beetlejuice is another classic. Man, I'm, you're really clear about Burton. Yeah, well, I was you know, just you're about here, to say, you're bored. Yeah. I was just about to say, it's really clarifying for me the extent to which he owned my childhood. Really? So <laughs> between, between the two Batmans, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. yeah, that was... yeah. That you was, Pee-wee guy? Not as much. Um, my mom had weird feelings about Pee Wee that that panned out a little bit. Sure, she was um, suspicious of Pee Wee. She, she sure. had a feeling, so she kept me away from that. But I was literally yeah. she didn't keep me away from like Batman Returns and like right, King right, stuff and right, that. Right. She literally was just like a vibe. Well, about to be Pee-wee. fair, also the Penguin never got caught masturbating in a kid. <laughs> no, so you know, your mother's true. predictions bore out. It's true. No, yeah. she had a good instinct. But yeah, Tim Burton really owned my life as a kid. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he he was, like, uh, the guy. And there's something yeah. to the fact that he kind of hit so, like, fully formed. Yes. Which I think only happens when there is sort of, like, a guardian angel figure like this. Like, an executive who's like, you weird bird, come into my nest. Yeah. I will, like, shield you. Right. And that he, like, they, it built in just the right way. Like, each film got a little bigger. But it is crazy that this is his third movie. And I had always gone like wait so how did he get hired on Batman when it's actually the reverse which is like they were so skittish about the idea of making a Batman movie that it wasn't until they had a director with such a clear voice that they were like okay right. I think I can see He's what it take. is. has got to take we can figure this out now. Right so then he comes in it with is, yeah right. You know just Batman Scissorhands is three years like I know, 80, it's 80, 89, 90. Yeah. Can Scorsese top that? I don't think so. Mm. Well, how do you feel about Burton now? Do you just sort of ignore him at this point? or So the other thing I was thinking was, how am I going to explain to my kids like why I was obsessed with Tim Burton? Yeah. Because if you're looking at his track record, the majority of the output, I would say, is 
not great for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also still weird. I don't know. Like the like the Alice in Wonderland movies are. He only uh, did the first one. He only did the first one. Yes, yeah. but I feel like they all sort of they're, took what they're he did and, sure, and, sure. and yes. ran with it. Yeah. They're a crime, but there's no one else doing that. I agree. Right? I agree with that. Like it's I hate fair. those movies, and they feel like being stabbed in the eyes. But yeah. also, they're not generic. <laughs> they're not generic at all. Right. How do you feel about uh, your 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 big eyes? You know the the smaller Burton efforts. Your Sweeney I, Todd. Who are your eyes? If 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 Tim Burton's ever in the Oscar conversation, I don't think I'm interested. Big eyes. That was sort of Inter- right? so. You don't want to see prestige Burton. I don't want to see prestige from Fair anyone. Particularly not, <laughs> Good point. Particularly no, That's not a from line. not from Edward Scissorhands. Sure. Not from I mean, right? I mean, ideally, right? I don't these sort of judging bodies would see what's worthwhile in those movies as they are. You want right. your Burton off the leash. You don't want to see him restrained, right? Johnny Depp should definitely have gotten an Oscar nomination for Edward Scissorhands. No one else is doing any shit like that. Well, yeah, that is indisputable. Yeah. Um, you know? I mean, again, those are early and up to Edward. Yeah, to me, Edward, yes, pretty yeah. perfect, yes. Um, um, and Edward, Edward, like such a perfect, like, f- like taking his, what he's great at and taking his personal passions right. and making a like prestige friendly movie, but still making a weird fucking movie. Well, also, it's a weird what, movie and a celebration of to a, a, and a celebration of things that Hollywood does not care about. Right. No, and to call my shot for my take on the Edward episode that you'll listen to in a couple of weeks, I think the kinship he feels in Edward is like a lot of the choices he's making in Batman are like as insane as the choices Ed Wood makes, except they actually work. Yeah. Like the key distinction is like they're both guys just like following their instincts and their passion and their own like muses, except somehow Burton's sensibilities line up with the culture yeah. and connect. Because yeah. like hiring Michael Keaton as Batman is similar to hiring like the chiropractor who you think could double for Bella Lugosi. Sure. Yeah. And that's his whole thing is he just goes like, Beetlejuice, this is my guy, the eyes. And they announce that Keaton's playing Batman and everyone flips the fuck out. It's the front page of the Wall Street Journal is Batman fans fear the jokes on them. And it was this piece of they hadn't started <laughs> Not production. Not a bad headline. Not a bad headline. It's pretty good. Like you could see the Gotham Globe publishing that. Right. Pretty and, good. And Michael Uslan, who was like leading the charge for like, we're going to bring back the legitimacy of Batman. Right is now being met with, like, a bunch of fans saying, like, great, it's another Adam West situation. Sure. Usland said when they because pitched it to he, him, he thought it was a joke. He's a stand-up. He's Mr. Like, Mom. Right. 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 He's Night Shift. Well, he's kind of glib. I mean, what's kind of good about Batman, though, is that it's not not Adam West. Right. It's just gothic. It's that's, just, yeah. it's just what, Tim Burton. Right. But and that's the lane that this one's in. And then, right, when we get yes. to the Schumacher movies... The whatever you the tones aren't matching as well anymore. I do, I do, I do like I, Batman Forever. I have to say, Batman Forever is fantastic. It's I love that movie. Oscar nominated film, Batman Forever, best cinematography. Yeah, I know, right? Really? For, which Sometimes they're really onto it's something. Beautifully shot. Costumes got robbed, but that's all right. It was nominated for best dry ice, of course. It, it was nominated for best dry ice. ice. Um, best McDonald's best use of dry ice. Yeah. Best McDonald's cups. I I love those. Those Batman cups were great. I will say that's the best thing that came out of the movie. Absolutely, cups. the cups and, and the and soundtrack, commercials, and that Batmobile. Yeah, the, but, yeah. and I. I, I, the Danny Elfman score for Batman is extremely iconic. good and iconic and yeah. perfect superhero theme Remember stuff. theme songs? Yeah, exactly. The, the L.A. Goldenthal the themes Golden are Paul, really good Batman too. Forever yeah. soundtrack is insane and yeah. wonderful yeah. and it's just basically like Smashing screaming pumpkins. horns and oh my god. <laughs> and he's yes. also a weird choice because he didn't do movies like that Not ever again. Like no, he was like a weird right. opera guy like right, basically. But it, but it was the same thing where Elfman was like that doesn't Elfman's seem the, like a guy who's in line with Oingo, superheroes but then he became that guy. Right, Elfman becomes the sort of like give Elfman a call, he'll figure it out. Right. Sort of like 
if John Williams is unavailable, like Elfman will write you a superhero but theme. But that right. feels like another Gonzo choice for Burton, which is like, okay, I know you like Dongo Bongo and you hired him to do the the scores for your two comedy pictures. You're like right. weird right. outsider sure. comedy right. pictures. Right, Wait, like is the Beetlejuice, the, right. you know, this sort of weird music does not suggest, but, but he's so imagine, good at writing right. for a, per, a music that sounds like a That's thing, a said. person. Right. Yes. That, that, that these this. sound like the characters' souls. Like yeah. they're not yeah, just like, do. here's the theme to this movie. Here's like what Batman sounds like And musically. it's gothic in the way you're talking about. It like, is. Silly gothic, like it's perfect for. But it. you imagine they were like, okay, haha, very funny. Let's call Alan Silvestri. Like you're not hiring Elfman for this. The buck stops here, right? William and then Ray. Elfman just discover, like he he delivers this thing that's like, right, that's Batman. That's Batman's song. And even like, um, you know, that they reuse the theme for Batman the Animated Series. But the score, the original score, that is so influenced by the the uh, Elfman score. Right, because Joanna right. was like, why do I know this music so well? And I was like, because he watched the cartoon. Right. Right. Because he then he used it in Justice League, which was so weird. Really weird. Yeah. Uh, because he was scoring Justice League, so he had every right to bring back his Batman theme. Yeah. And he's like, it's like crescendoing is like Ben Affleck is stomping around. And you're Doesn't, like, uh, this uh. is so strange because yeah. it's like an echo of an echo. Like, we're so far removed. Right. If you made this movie now. Yes. Batman fans, all those nerds would revolt. They would be like, this is too silly and weird. You know it's, what I mean? You can't make yeah. this movie after 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. 9-11 is just no. sort of sort of yeah. like the, the point yeah. at which you can't have fun. Right? I mean, But that's what's crazy about the whole pitch being like, we're going to make it really fucking dark. And yeah. now, like, you know, Nolan stands derisively go, like, none of that fucking cartoony, yeah, like, right. that was, Nicholson it was, yeah. Although, clowning around. It's funny, because when I, I mean, I think last, like, two years ago, I watched Dark Knight, and I was like, oh, Nolan actually did try to have some campy shit in here. Yeah. It just doesn't land in the way that it does in a Tim Burton sure. universe. But it's, I also, here, he didn't divorce himself from there it. There are a lot of story parallels between this and Dark Knight. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. there were a bunch of things well, I was noticing, like, tracked on. We're with, two sides of the same coin. We kind of, like, we're kind of, like, right. each other's best friend in a weird well, and, way. And, right? like, like, the the Joker art gallery, uh, the museum scene feels <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. My, like, favorite scene. But that is, feels yeah. like, like Ledger Joker breaking yes, into the absolutely. fundraiser party. 100%. Both of them end yes. with, like, hanging off the side of the spire. Yep. There is all that conversation of them coming head to head like Absolutely. there's, there's a, so many verbal there's sort of a woman in confrontation you know, between right. them Maggie that the Joker dies in both right yes <laughs> that's Just true keeps dying yep. yeah yep. Yep. yeah she's one of the smile like Christopher Nolan did that like between Christopher Nolan killing Michael like Maggie Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. and yeah. Catherine Bigelow killing Jennifer Ely in Zero Dark Thirty just two of the worst decisions that directors have made I think oh, God, Jennifer Ely's so good in Zero how do you blow Jennifer Ely up I don't care if terrorists did it you just don't do that <laughs> <laughs> so you just don't do that. It is the hardest hit. Burton's gotten the movie to the green light. He's gotten Keaton on, but then they go like, "Look, the big thing would be if you could get Jack Nicholson. That's the obvious casting choice. But if you can get him, like, this is really like the air of legitimacy this movie needs." And the idea was, it's the same kind of credibility yeah. that like Marlon Brando lent to Superman the movie, except he's really going to be in this movie. It's not just like a little cameo where he's reading off a of cue cards for right. two days, you know. Um, As Marlon was known to do. Because I uh, apparently Tim Burton's first choice, unsurprisingly for Tim Burton, was he wanted Tim Curry. And Tim Curry oh, for passed. Because uh, he was like, I've done too many things like this. Lithgow was considered, James Woods, people who play villains. Right. You know? But I think Warner said, like, let's go for the brass ring and see if we can get Nicholson. Burton and, also argued for Brad Dourif. Uh, and the studio was like, no, thank you. But this is like I mean, a lot of guys nominee, who like, right, have gotten Best Supporting Actor nominations yes. or like Hollywood creeps, you know, but they were like, what if we could get a legitimate movie star and that makes us a totally different type of movie? 
Um, and Nicholson is apparently like the thing they say about him is like it's all about the director with him. If you trust the director, he'll do anything. And he sits down with Burton, even though he's this weird, introverted, like 33 year old man. He's like, kid's got a vision. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do whatever the fuck this kid wants. I'll be the Joker. For the low, low price of $6 million and a huge cut of the profit. He ends up, for a long time, Again, and smart. maybe still adjusted for inflation, it was the most money any actor had $90 million world. is what he made on this movie pre-inflation? Right. Like, yeah. The, None of it went to waste. The big thing nope. he got was he got a percentage of any merchandise sold with the Joker on it or in it. Wow. And what's crazy about that is none of the Joker stuff really looked like him. Like it was more. Right. It right. Looked it's like just the card, comic book Joker. The patch right. on the jacket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. The classic sort of thin faced Joker. Right. right. Yeah. It's just yeah. sort of smiling green haired guy. It wasn't right. really accurate to him, but he made so much fucking money off of it. Everyone was making good business decisions for this movie. It's yes. true. What I mean, it's, happened? The, it's like Star Wars where it's like the studio learns the lesson and it never <laughs> happens again. It's the right. same thing. Right. Where the studio this time is like, I don't know, Batman, is that of, even going to work? Yeah. Right. And then for the shadow, they're like, you sign on for four sequels right here and we get all the merchandise, (laughs) like, you know, like, or whatever. But you have Sam Ham writes the script that I feel like one of the things I really keyed into watching it this time is like, you can watch this movie and imagine the very conventional version of this script because it hits very traditional sort of like 80s, 90s blockbuster beats. And it's like, this movie could have looked like Lethal Weapon 2. Like, there's yes. no reason, it's not baked into the script that it has this aesthetic For sure, and sure, because it's mostly just set in, like, alleyways and a, you know, plant. Yeah, yeah, and William Scarron, who wrote uh, Beetlejuice, Scarin. Lawrence Scarron, sorry. Warren. Warren Scarron. God. They brought on mostly to rewrite the third act, yep. is what they said, and then he really kind of dug into the psychology of the whole thing. But you have the elements like the Robert Wool character who yes. feels like he's traditional comic relief and, and sure. Beverly Hills Cop or whatever. Like, he's the guy in the office, right. you know? Um... But they kind of let Burton to his own devices. Like now, after all this like battle to get the movie up and running and everything, it was the most expensive movie Warner Brothers has ever made. It was like the largest sets that had ever been built. They filmed the whole thing in London. Well, they that, got top of the line. Like my first shot with the big map painting of like Gotham and the street is such a like you know here's what we're doing. Like such a great announcement. Well, just these for things, the the whole like, vibe. They they really smartly reuse a couple sets where you're like they made like four massive pieces right, of Gotham right there's that big like Gotham Square set that they keep going back to there's the like, staircase like, the where yes. all the right. press conferences happen right. there's sort of the one alleyway that staircase is so cool but they're yeah. so fucking big and yeah. he shoots them in a way with a sense of grandeur I mean he also you know he embellishes them with like matte paintings yeah. and with model transitions and things like that but you see people standing on these wide shots and you're like this feels like a real fucking city it doesn't look realistic but it feels fully imagined because right. of the scope of it and the size of it and the amount of extras you have and the amount of fog you have. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an ideal little movie universe. It's Which is something beautiful. that superhero movies don't no. have right now, to no. be honest. Marvel movies kind of take place in the real world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and even, and even just like the Gotham of today, it's just not, I mean, it's Chicago or whatever. It's like not... Well, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, it's not that's, gothic. That's, and that's kind of literally like the play, right, yeah. which we've talked about. Right. Is right. Let's which just is make it right. a city, which is fine. I mean, again, and of course, he's responding to this movie, and like yeah. other people will respond to Nolan's movie, and like and these things always sort of swing back and forth. But like, I mean, he was responding yes. to Schumacher as well. Like, oh. He's responding to a Gotham where like every road is being supported by like an Atlas statue. Right. 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 Yeah. But like, <laughs> I'll meet you on Atlas yeah. highway. It's just like, fucking Ayn the subway Rand station's city. up there. 
<laughs> yeah, the subway stations in like a, a revolving yeah, globe. In the globe. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, but there is the thing. Like you look at like all three Thor movies struggle to make. Uh, uh, why am I fucking forgetting the name? Uh, uh, what's what's Thor's home called? Uh, Asgard. Yeah. yeah, they struggle to make Asgard feel like any real society. Yes. Yeah, Asgard feels like a town in Thor. Right. Uh, which yeah, which is a trouble when you get to the third Thor movie and Asgard gets destroyed, and you're like, oh, what are the Asgardians gonna do? And it's like. Were they on a planet? Were they like right, how right, seismic right. is right, this? Like, because right. it always just seemed like a big palace and some, you know, in a little town. They only kind of established like three parts of it, and you don't really understand like the infrastructure of the city. And you're like, are they all gods? Are, are they, they all citizens? gods? Right. Do they have jobs? Like, what if you're a god? But right, you have to like be a sanitation <laughs> worker, or, like an accountant right, or something. And it's not like I want script like explaining yeah, this. No. Like, I don't want dialogue Asgard's scenes. Weird. But, sure. world but you building, want you just yeah. want world building, which you can do sort of subtextually just through like. You know, yeah. art dressing and, and all that sort of you stuff. Want, like a you are here map. I would love one of those that came when you bought your ticket. You yeah. got to open it up and see the layout of it like a like a mall. Ping your location, Thor. Um, Tell me where we are. But even I think the biggest like comparison point is like Wakanda is the closest that anyone's come to doing this in the modern era. Because uh, Nolan's uh, Gotham is so much riffing on real American cities. Sure. That Wakanda feels like the most fully realized, like, totally its own place. But I think it is hamstrung by some degree to the fact that it is so much, like, CGI augmented backlots in Atlanta. That's always the problem. You know? It's that, good if you have a location. You can yeah. always tell they're in a, in a parking that lot mu- in Atlanta. That museum that uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan robs, that's like the Museum of Great Britain, yeah. is like some Atlanta museum. Like anyone who right. lives in Atlanta knows that museum. And like, yeah. I yeah. think that movie is unbelievably well designed. Yes, and I do think that's one where you watch it and Anytime you're like, you're on I a get real how location works. in yeah. that movie, it looks good. It's it The does. problem is more when it's just sort of you're in a nowhere location that's been embellished. But even like the... the, Like the waterfall location is great. But what I was going to say is the waterfall is all a set and when they cut to the other side facing over sort of the cliff, then it's all CGI goop. And it does fall apart a little bit. Those scenes are excellent. But in this movie, like you see one side and it's a massive wall and then when they cut to the reverse, it's another fucking massive wall. And you're like, this just feels whole. Right. Uh, and this movie has one of my favorite psych out openings ever where I just oh, where love, you think it's going to be the Batman origin because the guy's robbing. Right. right I love right, when right, a movie right, can right, be right. like make you think that you're smarter than the movie and then pull the wool out from under you where it's like you make the whole audience get cocky and you're like, right. Okay. That's the Batman origin story. Here's a couple. They're going into the dark. Alley. There's a kid. Yeah. Right. But then it kind of ruined every rendition of that story. Right. And you don't need to do it ever again. Cause yeah, like, like the first one was a joke. So the rest of them. Right. Have to be earnest. They do do it again. And, but right. It's much more in this movie. Like it's just not played operatically. Like right. when so many other things in this movie are the robbery scene with like the young Jack Nicholson guy who's weird. That guy's fucking face weirdo. is fucking yes. frightening. He looks more like Bob Geldof. Sure. And it's tough when you have an actor <laughs> who has been famous for that long and we know exactly what Jack Nicholson exa- looked he, and sounded like think, at that age. I don't think it's a problem I because think bad, I it, think he's sort of transfixing to look at. But yeah, yeah certainly you know I what Jack that's Nicholson what he looks, looks like. like as a kid, though. I thought that was his face. The problem is that Nicholson's face. head is so goddamn square. Yeah, Nicholson's got a weird head. <laughs> Um, but, uh, when that's, you know, that seems upsetting. The parents get yeah, shot or whatever, it is. but it's also the kind of the pearls. Right. But then 
that you know he grabs the pearls right and then by the time you get to the Snyder movie it's like the gun gets like caught on the pearls and like the cartridge ejects and the pearls go everywhere it's fucking sexual what do the pearls look like from above I don't know. You tell me. Looking down. Remember the shot? It's like a moving all around the camera. Uh-huh. Zack uh, Snyder's? Yeah. yeah. yeah when yes. Ben and I saw Batman v Superman oh, in 4DX. that's right. I saw it in 4DX, so it you. really stuck with me. We oh, saw right, it in 4DX, right, right. and like for all the canted angles mm-hmm. of that like crazy, like sure. uh, they, the chair would match the canted angles. Are you oh, serious? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, so God. it would shift to the canted nah. angle of like the pearls falling off. Of I couldn't neck. do that for two and a half hours. It was rough. I had back problems by the end of it. Because it's like every time Batman and Superman punched each other, the chair would punch I don't you. like that. No. We've already I've litigated this, this on a previous no, episode. 40X is a little bit, but I'm never uh, 40X rules. Yeah. The, the, the chair gives you an option if you want it wet or not. This is always my thing when anyone's like, we've fixed movies. And I'm like, didn't need fixing. I just sit in a chair and look at it. You that's s- that's fine. You just. say that, but you haven't seen Ben is back in 40X. And that thing really, <laughs> it makes the movie sing. And when I read all these like sort of apathetic pans of Ben is back, I'm like, but you haven't really seen the movie. No, God. I agree. Matches by the Sea 40X was great. It was great. You could feel Michelle Williams <laughs> slobbering. <laughs> For the listener yeah, right, at home. There's a snot, no snot button. <laughs> For a listener at home, David just mimed the seat compressing. <laughs> yeah, what if that's it? Is just that your seat just sort of slowly deflates? <laughs> slope the movie. Slope shoulders. Then, yeah, in case the was like, I can't do it. Yeah. I just can't do it. And that's it. You gotta go. I can't beat this. Uh, I can't beat this. Can't beat this. Uh, uh, Batman. Be weird if he was Batman. Uh, yeah. He How would be would... a Robin. Yeah, he could be a Robin. He he would. Or he could be like the Riddler or yeah. whatever. Uh, um. So, uh, you get the psych out, which then leads to like one of the things I love about this movie is like you set up this weird like. Uh, retro futuristic like it's not quite steampunk but it's like this modern like 1920s art deco New York yeah. but like the um, what, what? come on what's the guy's name uh, first Anton, Anton first, first yes. right uh, the production designer who won an Oscar right unbelievable work on this for movie this? Uh, yes wow for this. Sometimes, Very, sometimes, sometimes they get it right yeah, they no, do. I think it was one of those things where it was kind of undeniable, undeniable. I mean, yeah. who, are, who are they going to vote for uh, and he's right. sort of weird and tragic Rain right because something. he's like an amazing he did the company in uh, the Neil Jordan movie uh, the company of wolves mm-hmm. which is like a beautiful and strange sure. looking thing Never seen it. Uh, he did full metal jacket mm-hmm. he did this and then he died of like an overdose like by mistake like you know he like took some sleeping Sucks. pill that, yeah. yeah and like that was that and they think Bo Welch does returns is that right I believe that's right right because Bo Welch starts with Scissor hands. Right, right. I believe. Right, right. Anyway, um, but it's oh, such no, an amazing no, production Welch's, of design course, job. did Beetlejuice too, but I, I believe Bo sure, Welch did. But whatever. Yes. Like, but yeah. first, first, dies first in between has the, two the idea movies. of what Gotham looks like here. He's the he's the sort of uh, yeah, and great I career, I have to say. He mm-hmm. does kind of get the budget that no one in his position had right, ever gotten right, before. Sure. Right, Yeah. Because uh, once they were like committed to making this movie, they were like, we're going to go all out and it's going to feel like the biggest movie ever made. Uh, which part of that was the marketing and all the merchandising, the tie-ins and prints and all of that. But part of it was just like the scope of the thing itself. Which is strange if you watch it today because movies are so, this is how big my nuts are about everything right now. Right, right, right. This right, actually right. seems like very intimate. It, no, that's the, the, the story. It, the yes, script you know? is very intimate. There's yeah. basically five yeah. characters. Right. And the stakes are pretty low. It's got like yes. two action sequences. Yeah. yeah, a lot of dialogue. One, one, one and of the, a parade. It's right. got a parade. Right. One of the biggest sequences is 
paint getting thrown onto like Rembrandt, right? You know, right? Like, but that's one of the things is that every small piece of it looks so big. Yes, is invested with so much like time and money and energy and artistry and all of that. And you really have a sense of like, I mean, this is a place that I want to come back to in movies. Like, this is a Gotham that I can just. So there's always going to be some fuck shit in Gotham right. based on this movie. Which I think when this movie came out and was like the biggest uh, film uh, in years and years and years, uh, even the critics who didn't like it were like the script's pretty generic. Or like, I can't recommend seeing this thing in theaters enough. Who didn't like it? What did Ebert say? Like Ebert didn't like it. Ebert didn't like it, but he was well, like, Ebert but liked I liked w- Crash. Love him. <laughs> R.I.P. But he also, I think, took a minute to sort of come around to this kind of a movie. Yes. Right? He like, did. But- I feel like he was just kind of resistant to... Yeah, this stuff. his line was. Like, I, I don't I think, understand the character. I think it's the like, movie's half baked. I yeah. think the script is nothing to write home about. But I cannot Vicky recommend Vale-a-literate. seeing this movie in theaters strongly enough mm. because Gotham is one of the greatest creations in the history of cinema. Yeah, I believe him. that was his yes. exact line. Like he, he you're was right. Like, it's yeah. all about the architecture. He also he he lavishes a fair amount of praise on on um, Nicholson. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Um, but he then he's like, but they're caricatures. I don't care about their relationship. You know, he right. he just complains about like they're thinly sketched. You know, he gave it like two stars. I mean, that's two. Like, yeah, Roger, he, come he on, was man. Big on like accusing Tim Burton of like like chocolate Easter Bunny syndrome. It's like it looks great, it tastes great. There's nothing inside of it. Wow. You know, okay, he'd be like, this guy is just. <laughs> I just this is a Kinder Egg. You know what I mean? Well, no, there is something inside of it. That's exactly. what I'm saying. Chocolate right. Easter buddies are amazing. They are. Iconic. They're great. What is he talking about? They're made of chocolate. Right. Well, I want Literally to say, what needs to be inside of it. Exactly. I, I coined that. Jesus. That's not his okay. slam. Okay. And, but I would say I don't think that's a bad thing. First yes. of all, I think if a thing looks that good and tastes that good, yes. it has its own value even if it doesn't have deeper meaning. But I also do think this movie is a kinder egg and there is some stuff inside. Yeah, yes. there's some stuff inside. Yeah. And it's not banging you over the head with it, I think. It's fun. Or maybe, no. are we just like, are we not also just- Are we so beaten down by everything that's happened I was about to say, is there this is just that. the blues of like, I've seen Justice League, I've seen Suicide Squad. 100%. And right. I know Watching this movie now is right. It's just sort of, it's like a wonderful little curio. It's just yeah. so streamlined. Like Suicide Squad is just like, who the fuck are these people? Like, it's, what it's am I supposed to be? brand management. It's right. just not a movie. Yes. Yeah, and this is a movie that's like and largely just movie. concerned with this one movie. Yeah. And it's like, this is, we're going to get Batman and the Joker correct on screen. What happens after this? Who knows? You know? And it's good. Yeah. I mean, as I, can I say, this is like sort of like a tangent, but can I just say that as a child, yes. one of the most horrifying things that I ever seen in a movie or anything, and I was terrified by a lot of things like thriller, et cetera. But the reverse application of makeup on the Joker, the idea that he had to put on skin yeah, color, right, right. fucked me up. And the, he's really fucked me. <laughs> somehow yeah. freakier looking yeah. without, you know, quote unquote, with yeah. the with regular, right. Uh, without the white uh, makeup and the green hair. Yeah. He looks weird when he's just grinning like I that. I just found that yes. so uncanny as a child. And just the, it as a concept, it's like so simple. There, yes. There is the thing that Tim Burton taps into, which is like, you know. Uh, Fear of clowns. Fear Clowns, <laughs> which he taps into a lot yes. over and over again. No, but I do think there's the thing that, like, uh, uh, many smarter people have written about this. I can't think of anyone to specifically quote here. But the notion that, like, uh, movies are uh, closer to dreams than any other art form in terms of how we watch them and the way you're able to play with sort of logic gaps, you know, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than a play which is by, like, definition pretty, like, literal and linear because you're seeing it on a stage. Yes. You can sort of mess with the sound and the structure and the rhythms and all these sorts of things with movies and create this dreamlike logic. And while not being like as like outra as like David Lynch, there are things in 
Burton movies, especially like this one, that are really small where you're like, I don't know why that's so upsetting. Yes. But something about it like really kind of fucks with you. And it's like when you wake up in the morning, you're trying to explain to someone. Yes. And you're like, the, the, the makeup was backwards, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird. And there's like one there, – there are a thousand things in this movie that like sort of like stick in my mind. I mean I didn't see this movie until after I'd started getting deep into Burton, which was like post-Mars Attacks. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And Another then, classic. Right. Wow. And because my parents were like, we don't let Griff see action movies. Uh, like anything – But they knew you liked fucking – comic books. But I didn't yet. That's the okay. thing. And they let you start with Mars Attacks. I know. Because I've, I've told this story. Uh, I will tell a story. On the Mars Attacks episode, my dad really wanted to see Mars Attacks. So Good he was him. like, I got sure. the kids, you know. Right. He had to sort of rope Griffin in almost. My, he was my mom like, let me cut school to see that movie. I mean, I, just, I was just not cool. going to have yeah, it. I was just not going to have it any other way. I was yeah. going to leave school or I was going to like be allowed to leave school. I thank God uh, Mars Paul Rubens was in just, the theater. I mean, that trailer was just. Oh, yeah. No, my dad, my dad worked a lot. Uh, my mom was more hands-on during the week, and so the weekends would be like, you got to do stuff with the boys. Yes. And so sometimes there would be the, like, my dad wants to see this movie, so he'll be like, it's fine. You won't be freaked out by it. Yeah. And I had that weird sort of, like, response to Mars Attacks and then started going deep into all of his movies. And Batman was something I hadn't been allowed to see. I guess uh, Batman and Robin is the year after Mars Attacks. Batman and Robin is 97, yes. yes. Right. But I didn't see Batman or Batman Returns until after I'd seen Batman and Robin. Oh, So wow. I loved Batman and Robin because I was like, oh, a Batman movie. This is great. Yeah, Forever was the first Batman movie I saw in theaters. But no, I had seen Batman. Yeah, I'd seen this. But my parents didn't let me like read comic books or watch superhero shows when I was growing up because they were like too violent. My mom specifically was the one. So it was like that was sort of my activation moment where like at that age where other kids are starting to phase out of it, I started going really deep into it, which was really good for my social life. I have to say Batman and Robin killed Batman for me. It really That's the thing. It it did that for everyone else. And that was my entry And did he ever come back for you or by the time Um, Nolan's bringing him around, do you care? By the dark night. Because I actually, I didn't didn't really warm to the first Nolan movie. I just, just, like if you grow up on like the, the Tim Burton ones. Yeah. The first Nolan, Batman Begins, is just not. There's just not much See, color. There. I have the exact opposite thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like I, I was just I was like I needed. I actually like by that time I was like, all right, I could use a little poison ivy actually, mm-hmm. making out with people to kill them. I could actually sure. use some of that in this movie. Um, but you know, I, per, Burton is wild to me because you're right. There there are always these these details that sort of fuck with you. Yeah, like even just I remember when Edward Sister's Hands came out. Like there was that moment I remember thinking this as I watched it the first time. Yeah, where it was like. So his hands are scissors. So whatever he touches, he's gonna cut. Right. So and now he has a girlfriend. What's yeah. this gonna do? The, like, f- the first time I saw that movie, I was like so fucking nervous the entire yeah. time because yeah. it was just like this is like wet like dynamite. Like what? Yeah. Like something's gonna go fucking wrong. And there's something so primal about these like things that he comes up with. I think it is very keyed into him being an animator. Yes. You know, and that he sort of like has that sort of like track of imagination where he like thinks of the imagery first and then figures out how to commit it right. to, uh, you know, to camera. Um, yeah. But I also look at this movie and it's like, this is very much a film directed by an animator in that like the the shot sequencing is very deliberate. Yep. Yes. Uh, it's, it's not fast cutting. The only time the fast cutting comes into play is during Batman hand-to-hand combat scenes because they have to cut around the fact that he can't move. Yes. Which I think he does really well by mixing up the angles. His so it physicality seems more is kind of amazing, though, right? Where you're like, yeah. oh my God, he can't fucking 
turn one part of his body without turning the whole body. Because he just right. becomes like in well, Easter he's in a Island head or something. Suit. Right, he's like, like a, but he's like there's a no joints. Right, yeah, the power like, becomes from how still he is. Yes, and then the yes. fight scenes are so sort of abstract. But the fight scenes are so basic. In yeah, this. like and not in, yes. that's not a complaint. It's um, weird how it doesn't matter. Doesn't I mean, matter it, it, at doesn't, all. it doesn't matter. He, mo- he just drops in, kind of kicks you. That's it. You know the bit where like the sort of like ninja goon comes in and does all the yes. martial arts. Yes. Right. That's Batman like a fight. was supposed to do like quid, like like you know shot for shot, like you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's they, some of that. He's he, that one's at least. Set a, and they were like, he can't move. Right. So that one becomes the guy has to run all the way up to him, and then they like really pop in for like the impacts. But yeah. he can't like walk forward and fight. And they had like specific guys where they were like, this is our kicking Batman. This is our punching Batman. This is our flying Batman. Because like the suit was so difficult that they had to train guys specifically. Like you just need to figure out how to do this one thing and make it look fluid. Keaton is literally like lit Batman. (laughs) Yes. He's lit Batman. He's the expert. That's his job. Right. And he was like, the suit was a fucking nightmare. I bet. Gave me a migraine all the time. I'm super claustrophobic. And he said... (laughs) The the thing that Nicholson said to him in the in the chair when they were like both getting made up is like this is great we don't even have to act at all right <laughs> the costume does it all for us and it was like easy for you to say right right but Keaton had this breakthrough that's which, just so funny though because Nicholson's doing so much beyond right. the costume right. so like that's what's but, crazy about him yeah. being like I don't have to do anything sure, sure. I could have stayed home <laughs> he really was having the time of his life he, he, he looks just like, seems like he's, he's having, having so, so much, much fun, fun no. it's perfect it like never looks like there's a gun pointed at him or he's no. Like right. walking off set and being like, "Where's my money?" You know, like so. The, a lot of the stuff I'm pulling from the context when they uh, like the the peak of special edition DVDs in like the mid 2000s before the Nolan uh, came out. Maybe it's 2004. Um, they did like special editions of all four of these original the uh, uh, Michael Guff Batman quadrilogy, right? Right. Right. <laughs> the Pat Hengel. Michael Guff films. Man, so Pat Hingle, mm-hmm. he's yes. in The Grifters the next year, which he's so scary in. Yeah. Which you know, feels like the role he's made for. No, and that's the thing. He's like a Chicago heavy kind yeah. of yes. guy, right? He's good in this. He's yes. so good in this, but it's so funny to think how it's so different straight than every faced he is other in this interpretation one. of Gordon, too. Right. Yeah. Right. But then, like, he's playing Gordon in Batman and Robin, where he's like, right. oh, Poison Ivy, and he's yeah. like horny. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's the same actor. Yes. And he's just like, when do you need me to be there? <laughs> it is kind Still of Still pays. 200 grand (laughs) those are the only two through lines for these four films but it kind of makes them a loose like chronology (laughs) even though the world like transforms like crazy right um right but uh uh what was the thing i was saying um oh when they released all four of them they did this like 10 part documentary where there were like two parts on each of the movies maybe there are three or four on the first one and Uh then two on the the following ones uh called like shadows of the bat um, and they do all these interviews and they got everyone to come back and like Nicholson sat down in 2004 and did a bunch of DVD interviews which feels like the kind of thing you wouldn't expect him to do sure but he's always surprising us like that right and he's just like excitement and he likes Burton things. I mean he's he did wearing, attacks yes. you know he's right. wearing a Batman pen and a purple shirt and I he's talking him. about how I much love he loved too. the Joker right and he was like they offered me this part and I said it's a slam dunk and he was like went to what his whole guy. theory about how he like realized from when he was like a struggling actor and he would do like children's theater and stuff, how much kids liked being scared. 
and uh-huh. how yeah, much yeah, yeah. the more scared they are, the more fun they have. And he really liked the idea of like being able to use Joker as a vehicle for that. And he was like, Joker's just the greatest character of all time. I mean, just that name, the Joker. And he like yeah. won't stop talking about how just jazzed he was to do this. But then the crazy thing was he came to them and he was like, I will so do it. Beef up my part. I'll do anything. I'm going to be so committed to this. Here are my two things. A, you have to give me all the money in the world. <laughs> right. right. Which yeah. is usually how Nicholson plays it. Right. right. But, I'm happy to do it for the, lots of money. Other crazy thing is Jack Nicholson is really allergic to spirit gum. Okay. Which especially at this point in time That's is how like. how you get shit on their faces. The key ingredient to prosthetic makeup jobs. And they had to like completely rewrite all the rules of makeup for this. They were just like, I don't know if it could be done. And, what did uh, they do? They just did crazy shit. Like it's right. stuff that like no one replicated ever again because it's like so much more risky. Um, huh. But they just came up with all these new alternative like adhesives and different types of you know like he couldn't they couldn't use any of the materials they usually use. And they found workarounds and there are all these designs you see where they were like we came up with the most extreme version of it looking like the comic. We came up with the version that looks most like Jack Nicholson and we started – you know, at the bottom and went as far as we could go until you started losing Jack. Right. And that's kind of the key to this performance is like, he's really in it, but he's still Jack Nicholson. And he's writing this perfect line where it's like a movie star performance. He's doing everything you like about Jack Nicholson, especially at the beginning when he's Jack Napier. And this is just like classic scumbag Jack Nicholson. And so few lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You but it's fine. like, right. I didn't ask. Yeah. It, it, I used his, to say that as a kid. His shit with the cards. Time. I didn't ask. That's where I learned that phrase. Yeah. Oh my and you're like, God. This is, you were so cheeky. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's like him in like a Chinatown-esque milieu, yes. but he's playing yes. like a, a five easy pieces type of asshole. Yeah, like he's it's combining asshole. these different types of things you know. Yeah. And then once he goes into Joker, it doesn't feel like he's being too protective of his brand, but he's also bringing everything you want out of the idea. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. This movie is very well constructed. Like just that all you need, he falls into the vat of Joker chemicals, whatever. All you need is the surgery scene. You don't even see his face. Yeah. Yeah. His laughter. The laughter, the way that's staged. Another thing that's super creepy out that you don't see his face for so long. Of course, that scene is phenomenal. Like, right, you know. Uh, and at no point does he need to give any more monologues or to explain anything about why he suddenly is buying a lot of like no, and also, uh, punching yeah. the gloves. Char- and- this is like stunt casting done right. The characterization Acid is flowers. he's Jack Nicholson. Like the movie yeah, sure. starts yes, and Jack Nicholson's being right. an asshole and you go like, cool, I know everything I need to know about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. It's Jack Nicholson in Batman? Cool, got it. Uh-huh. So when he turns into the Joker, you're like, I understand the things that are being mutated by this. Yes. I do kind of love, like people complained when this movie came out that they gave the Joker too much of like a clear backstory uh-huh. an alter mm. ego and original identity because they've always been vague about that in the comic books this is adapted from a comic book though yes there are lots right. of old Batmans where they'd be like and that's the origin of the right. Joker and they'd then always like, change it five years later someone else would be like I want to do one and he would yes. write a Joker origin story like right. there's just a lot of them yeah and Killing Joke like gets into like his backstory which was apparently like a big Burton really liked this. that Right. Those I, I forgot to say, those are the other two things over the 10 years of development is when Killing Joke happened the and Alan when Dark Knight Returns happened, they were able to like go into studios with those books, with Tim Burton and his previous films and go like, can you see how this would all fit together? Um, but I also huh. like that because every different take on Joker rewrites his backstory, it becomes like uh, the, the bit in Dark Knight where he keeps on rewriting his own backstory. Sure. 
where like none of them have any claim to being definitive. Right. And they just all become these different versions of like what could have produced a guy like this. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very simple. You, you know, he gets thrown in the vat like in the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Also, Batman's not really in the first 20 minutes that much. No, you see him. No. She shows up one right. time and says, I'm Batman. Right. Which is an incredible sequence because up until the point where he like drops in the background, you think you've watched. Bruce Wayne's childhood. And that's the moment of the turn. Those thugs who are like weirdly kind of like methy feel (laughs) very modern. More than a little. Messed up. Messed up, but they're very like 80s gutter punk messed up. Well, right. And also they have like a whole like bait and switch that they do. They've got a whole routine, right? Right, Where they're like leading him down this this, uh, alleyway. Yeah. And then like Keaton lands and like comes into frame and and just like fucking owns it. Did you guys, I I rewatched this like four times last night. That's an exaggeration. I rewatched okay. this like eight times last night. <laughs> Do you remember Michael Keaton's monologue from when he hosted SNL the last time for Birdman? No. No. It's really good. It's oh, one of my favorite SNL one. monologues in the modern era, but it's uh, Taron Killam and Bobby Moynihan who are like, you're my childhood favorite actor, singing a song trying to convince Michael Keaton to play Batman with them. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like this is our childhood dream okay. and then the second verse is Moynihan trying to convince him to play Beetlejuice with them oh, I love it. and they're just trying to get him to like say the hits and he won't do it and you see like the two of them as like Joker and Penguin and then the two of them okay. as alright what, what's going on here but at the end like the song's building and they have the whole cast come out as a chorus and Nicholson just goes like enough or, or Keaton goes like enough and shuts it down and the music cuts out uh-huh. and he turns to the one camera that's in a perfect close up and he just clicks right back into it and says, I'm Batman. <laughs> and it's it. It, like, it's like chills. Cool. Because it's like, oh, it's been 30 years, and he just turns his head, and he's right in, the eyes are there, he yeah. squints in the right way, the face is there, and then he turns back to the other camera, and he does it showtime. And there's something like elemental about like his understanding of his body language and the energy he's got. Yeah. Where just from that moment when he grabs the guy and says, I'm Batman, and the voice isn't like too no, showy. I'm Batman. Right. And he, the thing he said when he was so freaked out by the suit at first was he just realized I got to work this suit. Right. Like everything that is restrictive about the suit, I have to use as an asset. And it becomes that he's like so totemic. Like everything yes. about him feels like so otherworldly. And I love the idea in this movie that people don't know if he's human or not. Right. Sure. When those thugs find him in the alley and they're like, what is it? It's a suit? Right. <laughs> so he is human. Yeah, that you're right. Yeah, it's like body it's armor. True. They don't get that. Robert Wool, when he's like trying to report on it, they're holding up the pictures of like what's literally like a Nosferatu yeah. creature. <laughs> a Batman. Right. Like the, he's just so like bizarre in this. And then he doesn't really come in as Bruce Wayne until like the 15 minute mark and, when they go to the party. Right. right. And when he comes in, Vicky Vale's like, where's Bruce Wayne? He's like, huh? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. And he's, then. Bert. Not uncharismatic, but he seems so incredibly detached from human interaction. It's also a weird thing this movie does where it's the only um, movie in the entire Batman cinematic universe, all the different interpretations, I would argue, that doesn't make Bruce Wayne hyper-infamous. The fact that someone could sure. come up to his party not know what he looks yeah, like. Yeah, like Robert Wool right. is like, I don't know who went that what he looks right. They yes, don't know yeah. his backstory. Yeah. Like she has he, to he research. He just like donates the to charity. Right, yeah. He pulls right. out the Wayne file from the, right. the, the big uh, library. Right. right. Like Hard he's stuff. not Howard Hughes. He's yeah, like yeah, yeah. some anonymous. He's a like, local rich guy. He's a local w- rich guy weirdo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. like a name, like, oh right. He donates a lot of money to things. Um, but that scene, it, it sneaks up on you, much like his performance, where then he follows them in, and then he starts throwing out the lines. 
And Keaton coming in with the oddball charm. And then he and Vicky Vale are hooking up. That's Not true. long after that. Yeah. And Al- Alfred's like, hey, hey, hey. Invite her into your life. <laughs> um, Poor Alfred. I, I do feel like that is sort of the failing with this movie. And I don't blame the movie for this. But it's like the thing that I think makes Returns really sing is I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't want to see Batman with like a real person. Yeah. Like, sure. especially because Keaton's interpretation is so damaged mm-hmm. that you're like, I don't think he can like relate to a human right. who isn't sure. disassociated in this way. Sure. Who isn't like this traumatized. What is Vicky Vale? I don't, I don't know this. What is Vicky Vale's like life in the comics? She was who a reporter she? who's she's like a like, love interest sometimes. Yeah. She's just like a Lois Lane. doesn't really kind of have. Uh, like yeah, a, but she's like yeah. a sub Lois Lane. Like she's not that crucial to the that's the other thing the key difference is that like she's been around has lois lane and batman has like 10 or 12 characters like that over the history of the comics well no right i mean batman's real girlfriend is alfred like that's the like you need alfred his girlfriend his mother his father exactly it's uh, the whole package and they've gotten so much (laughs) dinner gives him a back massage like whatever he needs they've gotten so much juice off the Catwoman. will they won't they for decades because that's the one person where you're like that could maybe work is right that's maybe sustainable but every other one of these relationships is going to end in flames he's Mm. fucking batman tough today he's like psychotic yeah and all these like classic thread to be brought back into the Batman universe. Really? Like, like, sort dating. Of like the Well, how do they do it? I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, just why is there no one in these movies who wants to sleep with superheroes? Just, well, that's what the Nicole Kim, right. Yeah, right, like, that's right, what's I mean, so fascinating only, about Chase Meridian. Right, yeah. she's the only yeah, 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 realistic yeah. non-hero in these movies to me, because she's just like, yeah, these are sex symbols. Right, like, she's like, Chris Evans hot. is Captain America, and nobody is trying to fuck Chris Evans. Fucking Emily Van Camp is, or whatever. But you know, he, she, he likes what's she's his She likes the Winter Soldier. She knows he's gay. Right, right, right. Yeah. Spider-Man, Captain America. Right, a lot yeah. of their love interests you, you, are... You got a list going. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of their love interests are also like people they knew before they became superpowers. Right. Yeah, someone they've got some like childhood reminiscence right. with, like Katie right. Holmes and right. slash Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah. What about Katie Holmes? Katie Holmes, she's in it. She's like Forgot all over her. that movie. Yeah. Yeah. She, she yeah, angrily she, tases um, Killian Murphy. Yeah. In you're the right. Face. right. No, you're right. Her big set piece. No, I forgot about her. But that's the Vicky yeah, Vale thing is you reasons. go like they had like <laughs> two different actresses play Rachel Dawes and neither of them totally worked. No. Like you just don't yeah. want him to end Rachel up with Rachel Dawes also not a good name. No, it's a bad name. No, it's that? not a particularly compelling no. Vicky Vale. I yeah. know that Vicky name. Vicky Vale. There's another Vicky Chase Vail. Meridian. Chase Meridian. There's another big name. one from Chase the comics I'm forgetting who's like an amazing name. But they brought from the Batman for comics? Hush. Yeah, one of the Batman love interests where the name is like fucking incredible. Um, I will look it up as we're talking about this. Um, but, you know, yes. Ben made this joke before we record, but like, you know, a complaint about this movie is is kind of more of a Joker movie than a Batman movie. Certainly. That the movie does get a little warped by the fact that you have, like, a supernova playing the villain, and so it has to, like, teeter onto him. But it does feel like there's a good kind of, like, cat and mouse back and forth. Yeah. And because of the psychological approach to it and the fact that you see the guy before and that Burton's making this argument that, like, he was always just kind of a fucked up. Yeah. Sadistic guy. And this just gave him the permission to go completely off the hand and go out at night and brutalize criminals. What I like about Burton, though, is that he he's both like the most grotesque of these directors and also the least dependent on like it's Freudian. Like, here's your backstory. Here's here's all the psychoanalytic theory you need to understand. Like, like, I like, for example, Skyfall is a movie that I can watch any day of the week. Mm -hmm. 
with the mommy issues, I'm like, I don't know. It's a little basic. <sighs> right. Like, I, I don't need that. I, like, when Burton has said, like, he was never a huge fan of the comic books. He wasn't a comic book kid. The thing he latched onto was, like, the way Batman just feels, like, odd and sad and dark is how he yes. felt in, like, Burbank, California. He's running you know? around in a costume. Right. It's like a rich kid in a mansion who's like, why am I so miserable? Sure. Like, why am I drawn to go out into the, like, the dark alleys right. of the world? And Alfred's yeah. like, look, Vicky Vale, beautiful, accomplished. And Batman's like, yeah, I'm going to, like, lie to her <laughs> about being busy and put on yeah. my rubber suit again. That's my move, I think. Yes, right. It's let's nice do that, that it right. isn't overstated. Which is a weird thing about, like, Batman Forever where Val Kilmer's like, so I had this whole dream. There's literally a bat in it. Yes, right. Like a huge, fuzzy, huge fuzzy bat flapping bat. at the screen. <laughs> yep. And then I went crazy, and that's why I do what I do. Silver right. well, St. Cloud is the Silver love interest Cloud, I was thinking right. of. Yes. She's, really a right. Right. She's a classic Batman. She's a classic. No, but in Batman Forever, right, he his parents death is this like meatloaf video where it's like there's the like <laughs> yeah. the spinning book that he stops yes. it's like his father's diary and stuff yeah, like I, I would do video is exactly yeah. he really is a, it's astonishing yeah. like, really I, falling I really, into a pit i fucking love batman forever i do too it's like so good, it's so good. <laughs> god damn it god. it's uh, so good tommy lee jones i find it, it really boring no it's like it's, it's like the one and I like I love Batman. I love Batman yeah. Returns, but I'd always sort of understood those to be good movies. But Batman right. Forever was the one where I rewatched it as an adult, and I was like, "Oh, this is like a movie. This is this is like a there's stuff happening in this movie. It's an actual piece of filmmaking." I agree. It is an actual piece of filmmaking. I, I will I will give it that, and it also <laughs> is <laughs> he's giving it that, folks. It's, it's bizarre how much of a left turn it is. From all the aesthetics that Schumacher had built up until that point. Sure, yeah. Because then that becomes everyone's association with Schumacher. And it's like he was doing like grissom thrillers yeah, yeah. before grissom. that. Yeah. Right, yes, yeah. yes. He did a time to go. He no, built it's, a movie that could contain that Jim Carrey performance somehow. My, right. right. My favorite thing just in general about the narrative is right. Like, you know, Batman Returns was too weird for the studio. So they turned to Schumacher to give him just kind of like more <laughs> of a kid friendly basic thing. And it's like <laughs> Batman Forever is weird in an all right. entirely and different like, way. Okay, first of all, he had never made a kid friendly film up until that point. Right, you don't like, yeah, you don't so call Of course, him, he like, kills like, Robin's whole right. family. He's like, <laughs> with like Tommy guns. <laughs> but it's like Schumacher's filmography was like Lost Boys, Satan yeah, Flatliners. Right. Yeah, it's like, true. These things that like don't show like down the middle, like populist filmmaker. And then the other thing is they gave him the job and they were like, maybe he'll do something like a little more conventional because look, like Time to Kill was like pretty Yeah, prestige. he did the client as well. Right? And right. he like reverted back to all his old like window dresser sensibilities where what right. he was not Macy's or Bloomingdale's he was the guy who designed the holiday window displays at Bloomingdale's I didn't sure know right. that but that that's his starting point adds up that that's, adds up that's what Batman Forever is he's like cool I'm gonna make a whole that, movie that that's the windows like, like uh, Two-Face's whole lair right. He goes yes. from oh that my God, totally. his sugar and spice layer was yeah. totally. oh my right. Debbie Mazar and Drew Barrymore. It, it, which is perfect. Which is perfect. Masterpiece. He goes um, from that. such a Macy's window. He yes. goes from that to being yes. a screenwriter. He does uh, like DC, or he writes Car Wash, and he writes The Wiz. Right. Which he felt wrote like, Car Wash, right. right and he right. wrote like, The Wiz, right. Like him trying to get his foot into Hollywood. And then once he started directing, it was like, okay, I'm not going to do that like shopping store Can't window stuff, thing. Right, I yeah. got to show them I can make like a real movie. And then right. once again, Batman, he was like, all bets are off. Yeah. I'm yeah. back in the window, baby. Um, well, he, he talks about in those oral histories of those movies that are really good where he was like, we just assumed it was going to flop. And like when they got the call where it's like biggest opening weekend of all time, right. make another one. He was like, really? I had, did not see that coming at all. And also they like, had more masters to serve because at that point that's when like toy yeah, edit becomes company. a term where they're just like, we need more characters. We need but more look, different costumes. We need more gadgets. 
You know, we've been talking for a good 90 minutes, and yeah. we haven't really talked about the plot of this movie. We kind of have, I guess. We kind of have, What's and we've talked talk around about? it. I mean, it, it, the scheme is so fucking simple. Where it is. It's yeah, just he like, puts poison in the chemicals. He becomes obsessed with, tra- with trying to make everyone as, as fucked up as he is. Yeah. Right. So he is like— Great. Right, he's mauling Jerry Hall, who I think is pretty engaging in this movie. I know. And I wish she could have had a that, film career. That like, shot this. of her yeah. where her head is tilted and she's got the weird mask on is so unsettling. Haunted my childhood. One, again, yeah. one of those yeah. like, Burton-esque things. It's one of those things and, and a really well-timed like cut and where the mask comes off. married to Rupert Murdoch. Right, fuck, that's so weird. I know. But, but where he holds <laughs> off is. on showing you her face for a while so it really builds up in your mind. Um, but she has a really engaging screen presence in this, and she didn't really do more movies after this. She, right? I, I agree. Yeah, she. I mean, she in Britain, she was such a big deal because she was yeah. Mick Jagger's partner for like tw- two decades, right? And so she was always in the tabloids, and she did like the Graduate on stage. Yeah. She played the right Ann Mrs. Beck Robinson. Role. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. people who weren't three years old when this came out would watch this and be like, oh. Whereas for me, it was like, man, she was a pretty up. famous was a big deal. She's yeah. a pretty famous supermodel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, I think that, yeah, she was pretty well known. But as an actor, obviously, she was mostly not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jerry supermodel who's willing to go ugly for a movie. That's true. Yeah. But, but her, the whole, the whole game oh. in this movie is Smilex. What were you going to say? You we just haven't talked home. about Billy D. Williams. Well, I'm oh, saving right. that. Oh, okay. He's in this movie. I'm saving that. You're saving that for what? For what? <laughs> I'll talk about it in a second. Okay. The, the hook of this movie is the Smilex thing. Yeah. I do like without them, like, it being written into the script, the world's greatest detective thing, Keaton plays that really well. Like, you have so many sequences of him just sitting behind the monitors. Yeah. Looking really intently. But, like, there's not much mystery to be solved. He's, yeah, he's good at that. But you get the sense of him really trying to put the puzzle pieces together. The other thing I was taken aback with watching this movie is it is so fucking dark, literally. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. so often it is almost monochromatic or, like, sepia-toned. Yes. Where, like, his suit is just black. Unlike the later suits, which become glossy, this one's really matte. Yeah, as is so the, it's not um, even the car. reflective. The, car, the Batmobile is also solid black. Right, yes. like other than when yes. the Joker so, comes like, in, the Schumacher Batmobile is like sort of neon influenced. Like you know, it's got right. a little like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lightest that which Gotham City gets, but I do like this too. Yes, yeah, the lightest that Gotham City gets is like a dull gray yeah, or like a sure. murky diarrhea brown. It, the sun is never it's very up. municipal. No. Yeah. yeah, no, right, and it is. Yeah, 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 and it's a yes. You're right. It looks half like an industrial plant. Everyone's yeah. half outfits. Like a, yeah. I mean, it's, they're dressed Caligari. in like almost like black and white sort of like noir outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that when the Joker comes in, the colors like really striking, which is oh, one God. of the reasons I think it works that the Joker is that stylized in I this know. movie. The contrast of it, but like those scenes where he's in the Batcave, you're just like. Oh, they just painted everything black. Like yes. he's got all these monitors <laughs> and the chair and the walls, and it's all just like straight matte black. Mm-hmm. Um, no sun lamp. No, you know, Alfred really just has so much to do for this guy. <laughs> I know. There's one moment I love where he's at the back computer, and it's the one scene where you're like, all right, this film was made in the 80s. And Keaton is wearing a black turtleneck tucked into like really light he denim. He loves those turtlenecks, yes. yes. The but there's one scene where Batman's wearing jeans and you're like, this doesn't feel correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Batman what? and dad oh, jeans. Boy. You know, Val Kilmer also wears a turtleneck. Does George Clooney? Did, like yes. the turtleneck Clooney was, has a turtleneck yeah. for sure. So really Nolan killed that. I guess so. Nolan killed the turtleneck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I really that the was Bruce a Wayne thing. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a mistake. Right, yeah. well, because by the time it's Bale. Ben Affleck definitely is not wearing a turtleneck. Right, Bale, well, can't fit a Bale turtleneck is either crisp suits or like, you know, military grade like carbon 
Well, he's like a defense contractor. Exactly. He's right. like exactly. so, he's yeah. so. Yeah. That's what he's different. like. He, yes. he's, he's a defense contractor. I actually, which is not uninteresting. No, no. it's a, um, it's a, for no, sure. Post 9-11 take. But I, I was about to say, 9-11 really like made everything less fun. But that's the bit. stuff he's interesting Terrorists really in did win. doing yes. is, is that side, those sides of Bruce Wayne. Like yes. Bale really bites into the shit that was left untouched by Keaton. Yes. Yes. And then the Keaton stuff, he can't touch. Uh, right. And, and even it's, like, no one's ever going to get to do that again. No. Like, you'll never see a guy like no. that cast in one of these. Because even when Pratt, Chris Pratt is cast as a superhero, he buffs up. He turns into, like, you know, where he smuggles yeah. the yeah. turkey thighs underneath his clothes. You know what I mean? Like, where he's just like, everything is so. Even though Keaton's more, I think. I think of Keaton and Batman as more of a sex symbol than Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy, even though yes. Chris Pratt yeah. has that sort of shirtless scene in the prison in the first one where yeah. it's like, yeah, you're hot. We're going to slow everything down to see your right? body. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, first of all, you were better as a chubby guy in Parks and Rec. <laughs> and second of all, it's like it's weirdly not hot, whereas like Keaton was just his lips. Well, I also think I, not. I, I agree that we should like, be focusing on the lips. You're yeah, right. I, not to yes, tiptoe around to hot water again. Yeah. Marvel but I, movies are rarely hot. Uh, correct. Right. Even though people crush on... Whoever. And when, the, when yeah. they pick these people, they try to make them conventionally, like, right. handsome and sure. sexy sure. in a way where it's just like, oh, we all agree, like, Chris Evans, good, good-looking good guy, right. good body. Yeah, yes. But I, I do feel like there is a weird sort of sexual activation thing with Keaton in this movie that yes. is similar to animated Robin Hood, where people are like, <laughs> am I the only one getting turned on by this? Sure. Which sure. is why I think it sticks in people's craw, sure. and I think uh, uh, Street Boys have a similar thing as well with Catwoman. Sure. Where they're like, there's something weird going on here, and I don't know if I'm supposed to find this sexy, but I'm getting excited. No, I learned so much from, you mean Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned a yeah. lot from her. Yeah, and Batman's daddy. About like, right. Penguin is daddy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Christopher Walken in Batman Returns. Oh. Max Shrek. Max Shrek. That's who he's yeah. called. What's his name? Max, Max Shrek. Can we talk about Billy D. Williams, okay. please? Yeah. So what, what I you, find what interesting is that Billy D. Williams is the one part of this movie that That's was black. like franchise <laughs> Well, hey, Cam, first of all, I made it clear this movie loves black. <laughs> Might not love African-American, but it loves black. It really does. Oh, boy. Um, I, no, I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't one think part that's of where you were going. It's what? the one part of this movie that's sort of forward thinking in terms of franchise building. Right, right, Because right. it was where the big are, thing of like, him for the sequel. this character who could just be a generic like day player. Like there's that mayor character. All he does is say like, I'm not worried about the Batman. I'll see you sure. later. Like right. he doesn't do anything in the movie at all. He and, just speaks to the press And in comparison times. to Jack Palance, it's like, okay, right. that's like getting a big legendary person yeah. to come do a couple scenes to sort of set the tone for the movie. But that's all it is. Is it's stunt casting. This, it's like, you wouldn't hire Billy D. Williams to just do this. He was signed to a multi-picture contract. Yes, right. Burton had this big idea. Uh, we talked about this, but like, he wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to play Beetlejuice. Right. And he was like, very wow. into like, the people of his, like, his childhood, you know? Right. Coming back and playing these sort of iconic roles and being able to like, sort of twist them in that way. Um, but the character does so little. Yeah. There's the mayor character who looks kind of like Ed Koch. We're no, growing up, I thought that was Ed Koch. But he's played by the guy who plays the mayor in the best movie of all time, The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Oh, he plays fuck. the mayor in both sure. movies. That's sure. okay. And his take on the mayor in 1, 2, 3 is, is a beam, the mayor of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, but yes, he does look a lot like Ed Koch. It's weird. But he puts his big chip down on like, is. I want to get Billy D. Williams to do this. This part's going to seem below him, but it's the yeah. promise Lee of Wallace. Lee Wallace. you're going to get an arc from this. You're going to get a three-movie arc. That yeah, was the one piece Warner Brothers bought Billy D. Williams out of his contract because they didn't want a black two-face. 
Is that really? It was oh, true. It was as simple as that. Yeah, like that's one hundred percent. He got to be a lot of money. Yes, he was supposed to be Max Shrek. Max Shrek is supposed to be Harvey Dent. Right, right, I mean, right, right. And right. the end of Batman Returns is supposed to be because uh, uh, Catwoman kills him by tasing his face. That was right. supposed to be the moment that makes yeah. him two face. Right, right. That was the idea. Was uh, two was going to be when you saw his sort of corrupt side. It was going to be that exact character. And she was his assistant rather than being, you know, a, a sort of a businessman. He was a politician. Right. And at the end of the movie, he becomes Two-Face, and that was the third film. And Warner Brothers, they wrote the script that way, and Warner Brothers said, we don't want a black Two-Face. And they paid Billy Dee Williams a ton of money to not be in future Batman movies. That's and crazy. then O.J. Simpson swooped in and said, I'll give you a black Two-Face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, except it was more like one face. <laughs> or like you forgot the duality. <laughs> That's true. Um, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah. My felt right, because I thought that it was by the time they were ready for Two Face in the nineties, like Billy D. Williams was like old news and they were no, like, yeah, hey, we're I, buying right. you out I of think this people deal. think like, oh, that was like an early, like it's a little Easter egg fan service thing sure, that they sure, didn't sure. actually have no, plans to do. No, I know that it. they planned I it know was, that they had bought him out of the contract. No, that that was the exact line of thinking. Shrek was written to be Yeah, yeah I get, uh, it, I get uh, it. And what's funny is also huh. that Shrek the Ogre was written to be Billy D. Williams originally. They bought him out of that contract too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he. Made, I didn't know that he swam in a lake of Colt Forty Five. Hey, come on! <laughs> what do you sabotage Colt Forty Five? I know it was the face of it. I know. And then the other crazy version of this is uh, uh, Robin was written into one scene of this movie. Uh, they decided it was too much. There was going to be one scene where it's one of the uh, Batmobile chases where then Robin comes in the tunnel and starts fighting, uh-huh. and they were like, "This is too overstuffed." Uh-huh. So they saved him for two. And to the premise was, it was like, they were going to sort of do the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, oh, my middle name is Robin thing, where he, like, got a a street kid to, like, fix the Batmobile. Sure. Who started, like, living. And that was Marlon Wayans, right? Marlon Wayans was cast. They built the suit for him. They made an action figure, and then they cut him, and he got paid a ton of money to Uh not be in it. So, like, the two Burton Batman movies are, like, the two times he tried to hire black actors in big roles and then never attempted to do it ever again. How do I get paid to not be in a movie? I mean, that's the thing. They figured it out in a way. To be honest. Yeah, they kind of beat the system. I, can I just say, that's a a trope that I don't like is, like, the kid who's influenced to become a hero. Like, like which Star Wars movie recently was it? Was it Last Jedi where it was, like, Little Kid with a Broom? Yeah. You don't like Broom Kid? He's got a broom, though. It's fine. You're just not into the kids. Broomy Janubi? That's probably his name, right? Yeah, just <laughs> Sam Broomy Janubi. You know what child Jedi moment I like? When what's his name? When Anakin, Anakin murders all the yes. yes. children. <laughs> of course you yes. do. When he give, cleans give me some edge. Yes. Yes. You're twisted. <laughs> you don't need to see it. I just need to see the carcasses. Sure. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Sure. Jedi murder. Master Anakin, right? That's the kids. Like, whisk, what's going on, Master? <laughs> hey, buddy, um, how you doing? I'm giving Ben a pat on the shoulder. Are there other things we need to talk about? I, I mean, like the ending a lot. I like the church. I like to, you know, I, I, like, I like how exactly. Yeah, but that does know, feel like the final showdown in Dark Knight, does it not? Sort no, of for the sure. Of them being this elevated, oh, but it's sure. just it's sure. just a nice completion of the whole gothic oh, theme, yeah. right? Like yes. that, like we're not, and also again, we're talking about superhero movies now, where they all end with like 
a vortex to another dimension. Right. And this is just like Joker gets Batman's girl, brings her to the top of a steeple. Right. You know, and Batman right. shoves him off the steeple and he dies. And that's and it. And the journey to the top is extremely memorable. It is. It is great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It the, really all is. The, it's, it's good action. That's not too complicated. It is. Yes. Yeah. It is. No, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of incredible how well done the action is in this movie, considering the limitations they had in, yeah. in all senses. It's also kind of incredible that they have the guts to kill the Joker. Like that, yeah. they've got yeah. this huge actor, yeah. and he's obviously done. And like, they're like, "Yeah, he dies. That's it. You and see then, his yeah. dead body." And then that weirdly sends a template where then right. people think that that supervillains need to die in the first movie. Right. Right. Like the right. only exception to that have becomes Magneto. That, no. Right. Yeah. Where he runs throughout the series, but other right. than that, it's Magneto like, is right. He's basically right. So he's such a crucial part. Like Gene Hackman, they had him signed to multiple films. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. reusing footage for the later ones. Oh, you sure. know, like of course you got to keep Lex Luthor in these things. But it's like, yeah, Batman doesn't kill the joker that doesn't happen to you yeah right you knock him off right. a cliff but then you don't find his body or whatever but yeah he's they're like no he's dead there he is dead right end of movie but, and that laugh i was yeah, gonna say the is, little yeah. machine thing that i'll tell you up. the other freaked my, me out. that freaked me out yeah that yeah. freaked me out because i was just like what does this mean what the fuck's going on you ever dance with the devil um, in the moonlight the the thing that uh sticks uh with me the most that's my favorite scene i think i don't know if i've said this on a different episode but when I was like 10 years old and we had to do like an independent research project in school, I chose to do mine on Tim Burton. Oh. And I literally rented uh, every Tim Burton VHS from the video store across the street, Cash Potato Video, and I hooked uh, two VCRs up to each other and I copied, I made my own Burton mixtape. Oh, of like wow, your favorite scenes? Wow, what a sophisticated child. I like spent like a weekend doing that because uh-huh. I was like, I want people to see the scenes that like mean the most to me. And I would take like the opening title oh, card, sure. the directed by Tim Burton card, and then the scene I liked the most. Okay. And it would be like a super cut of like, Five Seven of the movies or whatever. Invent supercuts. I maybe invented supercuts, <laughs> and then I I narrated it over it. I said, "You can see every frame here is a painting." Guitar um, Jr. over yeah. here. <laughs> um, but one of those things where I'm just like, Jesus Christ, that was like quite a commitment for like. Well, when you're us. a kid, you yeah. can go all in on and something like that. What else like was that. there to do? Back There's then. nothing to do. You're right. like writing God knows what in your little like journals. But I tried right. to like pick these scenes that I was like, these for me like really represent. Like like a showcase showpieces of Tim Burton as like a director as opposed to like the other things and I think it was the Mar- I used the Martian spy girl scene from Mars Attacks I weirdly because it had just come out <clears throat> used the scene in Sleepy Hollow where he's walking around all the old men that. talking right. about them all being yeah, decapitated yeah, yeah. which I thought was so fucking funny at the time for some reason yeah. no I think um, so. I think it was I don't remember what the other maybe I used the Shakes in York but I used my favorite scene in the movie. The one that I find both the funniest, the most sort of stunning as like a showcase, and uh, the most upsetting is the news broadcast. Yeah. Oh, Which yeah. is oh, yeah. this hard Great cut scene. to new characters you don't know in a totally yeah. unknown world. And it feels like broadcast news for a second. You just got some guy in the booth like throwing out the commands. Action news. Yeah. And they keep on using those shots of like the grid of the monitors mm-hmm. where right. you see the cameras on the guy reading his copy and her off to the side just shuffling her papers and trying to stifle the laughs. It's, uh, no, oh. no laughing matter. Uh, I, I like how he's trying to vamp. And then the interruption when you have like there's something. I've talked about this in other episodes, but I find so... <sighs> Freaky that you don't have anymore when video quality used to be different. Yeah. So in a movie, someone watching something on a TV screen had an otherworldly quality because right. it was a lower resolution than right. the film you're watching. Right. The Joker seeing, breaking in is so scary. And it his is. weird yeah. like yeah, supermarket yeah, yeah. Yes, like yeah, yeah, ad. Yeah, yeah. And and he's using and his pattern is so good. the models they had said just been murdered, which is like so morbid. He, he's just a good. He's 
always funny and always scary, and you never have a problem with either part of Absolutely. it. Right? Like his patter's so funny. The parade, he's so yeah. funny. Like anything Nicholson is adding to it is funny, and yet you're always just like a little troubled by but it. But that was Nicholson's yeah. thing. He said he keyed into with like when he was doing children's theater was like these things are not uh, uh, fighting with each other. Sure, right. Like the funnier I am, the scarier I am. Both things, they're not canceling each other out. Right. Um, and then there's that great thing later when he like interrupts the uh, press conference from the mayor yes. where he comes on the other screens and he literally pushes them off mm-hmm. the other monitors. Like that shit's so weird. And then the other one that I always uh, get freaked out by is the like quiet invasion of the mines. Oh, oh my God. that's so good. That shit yes. is wild. It, yes, it takes because so long. It's, it's such a yeah, slow yeah, yeah, burn. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 All that shit's so weird. Yeah. Like the, the old mobsters with the like, What's your problem, Joker? <laughs> like, yeah. You're all just like fat Italian mobster stereotypes. And then Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon, who is like a guy that Jonathan Demi would use as like right. William Hootkins as well. Okay. We should shout him out right. as Eckhart, uh, you know, Porkins yes. from uh, Star Wars. Uh, oh, fuck. I never oh. put that together. Mm-hmm. But Tracy Walter is I like. be on that IMDb more often yeah. and make these connections. Tracy Walter is like the hotel desk man in like something wild, where uh-huh. he was just like a weird yeah. character actor. And then Burton asked Leota to be Batman uh, yes, because of something wild. Something wild. And yeah. Leota was like, uh, no, I don't and get studio, it. Yeah. The studio had their list of like, oh, they wanted like Kevin Klein. They wanted like all Kevin the guys Klein. who were like sort Costner, of on the rise. They wanted Charlie Machine. Like oh, yeah, anyone who's like a hot 80s yeah. star. losers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he wanted Leota. Yeah. Leota passed. Like, yeah, he loved like Leota. He wanted Curry. Wild. Curry right. passed. They were his first choices. He talked to Brosnan and Brosnan was like, I don't want to make a comic Curry is Batman? Curry as, Curry as, as the Joker. Joker. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, he got the right people. It's like a, yeah. it's no, he did. Perfect. It's a great. Yeah. And then the two Keaton moments that I just think are so beautiful, and I uh, credit to the script for putting them in, or Burton for having the idea, or whatever it is. But the um the the first dinner scene mm-hmm. where they're having the conversation where they can't hear each other across oh, the table yes. sets them up really well to be like, oh, I don't resent this character for being like a spoiled rich guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I see how uncomfortable he is with all of this. Uh, excess, which makes him a little more human. And then when she wakes up in the middle of the night, he's hanging upside down. You know, I feel like every time I see a scene at like a huge table like that, it's a trope. And every time I see it, it, I just think back to this movie, actually. I haven't thought about that, but that's probably the origin of this trope for me. That just punchline of like, you eat here often. He's like, yeah, no, no, I like this room. I like this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't think I've ever. (laughs) And then it cuts to them like in the the sort of kitchen. In the kitchen and Alfred saying like, oh, this kid was so cute. Yeah, he's not a He's kind of a lighthearted millionaire asshole. Yeah. Um, I also like. He gives Knox the grant. That's right. He's he's pretty like generous, you know. I also like. He seems uncomfortable with his mom. That um, the Joker takes down Batman's bat plane with a big gun. Oh, yes. I mean, that's the fucking moment too, where <laughs> you just amazing. go like, yeah, yes. And, and they do the same thing with his extendo yeah, glove and his glove. antenna yeah. Yeah. on the remote. But it, these like, are all things that like the future movies just like they're like let's take that and magnify by a thousand, yes. right? Like yeah. even I have to admit, like Schumacher's thing of like. Mr. Freeze lives in an ice palace right. with like Eskimo well, guards and you know like everything ice has, palace that looks like saran wrap because it, it, it looks probably crazy. is but returns is definitely maximizing right yes it is. Yeah, the big it rubber is. ducky and all, all that weird shit if no. I had to pinpoint uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I had a lot of questions from my mom about like the the death kiss at the end of returns like the making out the, mm. the, I had I remember you were like, being like supposed to be what the is death going of on why is he dying the, I don't the get death it. of uh, Dent the birth of two yeah I didn't um, get that 
Right. I didn't get that until I was older. The moment to me that just solidifies it where it's like, fuck, Burton, let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, he's tapped into something primal here. Yeah. And I just imagine seeing this opening day and the audience just flipping the fuck out. And it's such an animation idea with him having the notion of, like, how do you build a visual setup to, like, a perfect sublime visual payoff is just the the bat plane on the moon. Yeah. Yes, sure. that oh thing is just like rapturous. Wink. Yeah, but it's so elegant. It doesn't feel yes. too clever, it. too self-amused. Right. I think it's the animator instinct that I think is really what he has that a lot of directors who do superhero movies don't have. Right, that just design like sense of like is it funny? Images if, right, if the character silhouette is like this, you know. Yes. But like seeing, even just seeing like the bat signal from some like back alley somewhere, and like a cat scrambles by, and it's like a. He tries like in the sky. to get as much as he can out of every shot at this yeah. point. You know, either with an interesting design idea or even like a bit of physicality in the way an animator would be like, how do I spice this up? Yeah. The first uh, Wayne Manor scene when he keeps on leaving the drinks behind and Alfred yes. just has to follow him. Like he's just so, he's packing everything full. Yeah. But the key is that the script is so streamlined that the movie doesn't become Right. It doesn't feel bloated. like exposition all the time. It just feels like Yeah. But it, but if I had seen that in theaters with the bat plane in the moon turning into the bat signal, I I would have just uh uh come all over the place. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I agree. I agree. Let's play I the box I office game. Play. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. That's the moment that I think makes makes the movie, the, yes. the box yeah. office. No, I, I love that moment. So this it rewrote all the rules of the box office. It was the biggest release, widest release. The first time that something was this kind of front-loaded to, like, let's blow out the opening weekend. Yes. And it broke the records. Batman. It does 45 the 40. opening weekend? 40. Which at the time was unheard of. Is equivalent to, like, doing 200 today It or broke something. the opening weekend record that had been set one week Prior by number three at the box office. Lethal Weapon 2. No. But it is a two. Top two? Nope. Uh, fuck. The record was 29. Oh, go, it's Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2. It it's just set the record two. for opening weekend yes. with 29 million. Uh, and Batman makes 40. Right. So it's much bigger. Right. A huge jump. Um, no, and so Ghostbusters that's at that point, it was like five years of anticipation yeah, 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 for yeah. like Bill Murray's at the sore bone. When's he going to get off his butt and make a fucking bust damn movie again which Ghostbusters movie is the one that has the painting the painting no the parade the, like there's a Ghostbusters parade also when like two. the that's two yeah yeah. Okay, this explains my childhood because I do they, remember they ride the Statue of Liberty with parade, the slime and they play parades gone wrong. Music. A lot of parade yes. action, yeah. demon parades. Yeah, parades were the set piece of, yeah. of this era. They're, yeah. they're good. We bring yeah. that back. They're a good set piece. Number two, though, is a, just a horror movie for producer Ben. Just the worst kind of movie possible. He's he's freaking out right now just thinking about it. What are they that? okay? Are the things very small and so dry? Small, so small. It's dry hun- is not an issue. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Honey, I Shrunk the well, Kids. But we've talked about Iconic. this. Same weekend. Okay, we've talked about I this. I know. When they're small, the things, look, things big. look big. Like the Cheerio Huge looks big. Cheerios. The I know, but I, I like still know that it's, it's small. So it's, it, it throws me off. Like you get wet in a big old bowl of milk. I remember that part. Number four. So we are yeah. seeing we are seeing in this like the dawn of this kind of the franchise. Because yeah, like number four is, a, is another sequel, a, a third movie in a, in a franchise. Wait, so Ghostbusters is number three? That's right. Yeah, Ghost see, look, two. I mean, this is just like franchise, franchise, franchise. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four is, you said, another sequel? Yeah, the third in a series. Final? Nope. Horror? Nope. It's not a horror franchise. No, action like big super, yeah, not superhero, but a big action franchise. And it's not Lethal Weapon 3? No. Uh, it's not a Death Wish movie? No, huge, huge, like family-friendly, like beloved movie. Family-friendly action? Not my favorite, but people really like this. I don't know. 
And so third, you like this guy. We've we've discussed this director. The director many times, many I, times. I like him. This is the third one. Did he direct all? Oh, oh, oh! It's Last Crusade. Yes. Yeah. Right. Jesus <laughs> oh. Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. Like this is like a modern blockbuster top Definitely. five. Yeah. And then number five, not a bad set of movies. No, no not, no, not not at all. A good group of movies. Yeah. Uh, number five, I do not like. Uh, another very big director. Um, this was a big Oscar player. Very sappy, sort of inspirational movie. <laughs> Did it win any Oscars? I, or was it just I think like, it won um, screenplay. Uh, but it was nominated for like picture actor. You know, uh, it's it's. I had no idea it was a summer movie. It really feels like a fall movie. It's on Dead Poets Society. It is Dead Poets oh, Society. Hey, you're not a fan of Dead Peter Weir. Not really. I love Peter Weir, um, but I haven't seen it in years. But I've I remember um, finding the like kid drama so irritating in that movie. That's true. No, that's um, true. But I mm-hmm. I probably last saw Williams. it when I was 14. Like I, you know, I can't remember the last time I saw it. I feel like it's probably worse now. Probably. I love. I like again. I love Peter Weir. I'd love him to make yeah. another movie. Like I forgot that that was even him. I don't think of that as. Yeah, let's. See, he didn't write it or anything, but you know, it, it was it's sort way of way back. His, the last he did. Uh yeah the the yeah. Colin Farrell movie. Yeah. Where's he been? I don't know. I mean, he always takes forever to make a movie, especially now. But like, still, I would. Russell Crowe keeps hinting that they're talking about doing another Captain Oliver movie, which I cannot he, imagine. Western Commander is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I watch it all the time. Yeah. I watch it to relax. What? It would only <laughs> Thank work you, if yeah. it was a movie about the time that Captain Aubrey ate a ship. <laughs> Poor Russell. I don't want to be mean, but we've talked about. I don't think I've talked about this on mic. But the fact that like Russell Crowe's in one of those phases where he's like, I read the script and I just decided I had to bulk up for this part. <laughs> right. He's doing he's doing his Orson Welles. He keeps thing. on acting like it's a choice though. You know, it's just it's actually just because Orson Welles is a good example. Yeah. It's unusual for a big star, especially someone who is that kind of sexy to kind yeah. of right who is like a really right a sexy yeah. marquee yeah. idol yeah. of some moment to Orson really just kind of be like yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. Orson Welles so could get it. You know, to just sort of and like then touch of evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Boy Erased, as you said, we were talking one time, his eyes are fat in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's Griffin's joke. That, I forgot how good that joke was. That's a was. good joke. That's a good. Can I give myself five oh comedy points please. because David's the one who ruined Please, please. Uh, oh, you know, man. and now he's like, where he's like, what should I play? And someone's like, do you want to play Roger Ailes? And he's like, yes, I will play Roger Ailes. <laughs> right, it's either Hand he, me those Pop-Tarts. He looks for real life people who are husky to be generous yeah, sure, so that sure. he can maintain his body type or they're like hey how would you like to play Robin Hood and he's like my tech on Robin Hood is beefy <laughs> but even but it's true that even in Gladiator he was beefy but he was he's a beefy guy too. he always has he's, he's yeah. naturally beefy guy I mean Robin Hood's yeah. a bad example because I think that's the last time he was in shape pretty much but I mean like yeah, even, yeah in The Mummy like it's like oh Russell Crowe lost 15 pounds and sort of like looks a yeah. little more limber yeah. whereas right in a boy race it's like oh Russell Crowe put on 20 pounds <laughs> yeah yeah his yeah. eyes look fat right and he lost 15 from like 250 like he wasn't at yeah. no his, I know I'm, I'm, a, husky, I'm, a, I'm yeah. a husky guy too I, I love I Russell Crowe I love an actor who just pursues roles that require eating that is my kind I of, do too yeah like, it's, uh, yeah Viggo Mortensen had the time of his life in Green Book. Oh boy, that's the eating thing. Eating that pizza. The, yeah, I'll give that movie that. Yeah, <laughs> he got to eat the that pizza. Like Christian Bale hey. just wants to be fat. We should let him stay fat. Uh, Bale? Sure. Yeah. I think okay. he's into like the dysmorphia. He likes, yes. right, he likes yeah, he the likes, up and down. He likes the child. He rides yeah. the roller coaster. I'll say, when he dies, he's going to die so fucking hard. Oh my God, they're going to cut him up and be like, you're the worms. The autopsy is going to You're worms. <laughs> he's the boogeyman from <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> 
eyes are Jesus. in your butt? What's going on here? <laughs> Did you see Vice Cam? You must have seen Vice. I didn't. No, uh, you didn't. And, and, and everyone's sterling reviews of the movie God, really makes me want to see it. I want to see Tyler Perry in it, though. Yeah, you I'm know, excited when I that. saw yeah. that he was in it, I was like, that rules, but he doesn't really get Gone much Girl to do. Star, kind of nobody. Does he just no- not have much to do? Yeah. Is he good, though? How does he not have much to do, though? Isn't Colin Powell a little bit important? Because the movie just shifts into full-on, like, recap mode in the last half. Oh, and right. so everyone just kind of drops in and is like, Colin Powell's like, I'm just not comfortable with this. And you're like, oh. That's the thing, right? Like, Colin Powell's the one guy with a bit of integrity, which means McKay isn't interested in talking about him. Because right. he but just wants not, to, like, like, point and Lisa say how Lisa Gay Hamilton are, right? plays Condi. She doesn't do anything. Like, you know, it's like no one does anything. Carell as Rumsfeld is yeah. a bigger part, but that's because Rumsfeld is present throughout his yeah, life. Sure, career. Sure, right, yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't know, maybe I so won't see it. Don't see I don't it. know. I already made my top 10 list and what's number one? Uh, first Batman? reformed. Oh, no, yeah. I wish. Good choice. Yeah. I wish I, I would love for a Batman movie to come out that I could like stamp sink for. your teeth into. Yeah. yeah. All um, right. We're done. Can I do a tiny merchandise spotlight? Mm-hmm. And it's not the type of merchandise spotlight I usually do. Uh, once again, because no one like uh, realized uh, how much potential this movie had until it was too late. Uh, the company that got the rights uh, to make the toys from this movie, which were you know a lot of Batman, a lot of Joker, because yeah. you only really have like two toyetic characters in this movie. Sure. A thing they right. changed yeah. later. Right. No one's gonna buy like uh, knock stalls or yeah, anything. Later they're like, let's have two to three heroes and two to three villains per movie. Please. They yes. they did make a Bob the Goon Tracy Walter action figure with kicking action. Great. Which, like, I think was, like, a big, like, 1989, like, oh, shitty Christmas. All I got was a Bob the Goon. The rest were sold out. Ben's looking up video games, but Ben, the Batman Returns video game, we got to talk about the that. The first Batman video one. game is the one Wait. where he's purple, right? Yeah. Where, like, in order to make the sprite stand out from the Batman. background. Batman Returns was like a, a good, good side-scrolling yeah. beat-em-up kind of Super Nintendo game. I had that. It yeah, was yeah, awesome. Yeah. It was good. It was hard. I think yeah. I was yeah. too busy on my Crash Bandicoot hustle. Sure. So Fair enough. I mean, Fucking Bandicoot. I've got Crash Bandicoot guy, on my uh, Switch now. Rules. Oh, great. I, yeah. I would love to play Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot slaps. He's cool. Really, uh, yeah. yeah. I made a Crash Bandicoot joke in uh, so, oh, in my Mowgli review. Does that age mm. us, though? Does that date us? Sure. Do, do the kids know who no, Crash Bandicoot is? No, he's back now. Because they remastered sort of, them. Right. They've sort of brought him back. Okay. Yeah. They remastered so the, the original games, and it was like one of the top-selling uh Yeah, that's what I have on my Switch. It's and now Bandicoot it's on every console. Because he used to just be PlayStation. Now it's on Xbox. Yeah, it's on it's Switch. Right. Yeah, kids he love that bitch. I actually don't like that democratization, actually. Who's the villain? He's like a floating head. Dr. Neil Cortez? Yes. Um, I used to love Crash Bandicoot. Are you talking about uh, Komodo Joe? Sure. I don't know. I, I love that I know baby. what you're talking about Crash for once, like a Bandicoot. video game conversation Slaps. I get. That was Crash your guy. Bandicoot yeah, has you were big guy. dick energy. Crash Bandicoot is no, the best. He does. His like touchdown dance? Are you kidding me? Yeah. He pulls off shorts. He was a sex symbol. Um, the thing I was going to say is that the toy company that got the rights, you will find this interesting. Was a little company just trying to get their foothold called Toy Biz, Mm. owned by Ike Perlmutter and Avi Arad, (laughs) who off of the success of the Batman toys, which were then sold to a bigger company, were able to convince Marvel to give them the rights to Mm X-Men, where they made so much money that they were the ones who bought Marvel out of bankruptcy. Coming up on our Patreon, James Seamus calling Ike Perlmutter a fascist. Coming up. <laughs> right? <laughs> tie-in. Yes, tie-in. In a few days from now. Yeah. But I just find it interesting, it interesting. that the success of the first Batman movie and by Fuels proxy its merchandise. Biz, which then buys Marvel. Which saves Marvel. Right. The modern Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't happen without. I know. Well, yeah. there you go. This the is it's the beginning of, of everything. pretty interesting. Insane. I know. Batman really like yeah. raised a lot of tides. It right? really, it yeah. really yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Batman was that bitch. Batman, Batman was 
that bit. I can't think of a better way to end this yeah. episode. <laughs> Cam, thank you for being here. Thanks yeah, again. this is fun. Uh, people should follow you on Twitter. So read your your bylines to, of Andy Fair. Uh, hear me call Spider Man gay mm-hmm. every day. That's right. every day. Is that a promise? Will Sorry. you say that? Will you make that promise to our listeners? Don't make that promise. Kim. On air that you will call Spider-Man gay. Oh, absolutely. Spider-Verse is about to come out. Get ready for some homophobic Spider-Man takes. No, I'm just kidding. I support Spider-Man being gay. I just want him to come out. Yeah. Sure. You Spider-Verse know. is great. I feel like if your first instinct for casting a superhero is Tobey Maguire, it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and your second instinct was Jake Gyllenhaal. Let's be clear. Come on. Gay-er. Let's not forget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Do th- your thing. Come on. I don't, okay. Don't, don't, All right. don't rush me. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, don't rush him. Don't rush a holiday party. Ben is it's angry. Five o'clock, Ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The time you said we did it. We did it. A minute over. I just want people to know that for the entire two-hour episode, Ben's like, we have a hard out, and then when I get in here, he's wearing the Christmas lights. I want to go drink and <laughs> no, have fun. Go. You are literally go. five steps away from this party. You have to open a door, and then you're there. Are at a like a bar restaurant? Oh, really? Yeah. A bar restaurant. It's both. That's <laughs> so God. decadent. Combo. Yeah. And in this economy? <laughs> I know. I know. Humble oh, brag. boy. I just want to say before I do our wrap up. I love how Ben is extending the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I mean, it's a. All right. All right, all right. What do you want to say? I want to say before we end the episode. The finger foods are not going to be there anymore oh, by the time I get Excuse me, this Ben. I'm urgent. trying to end the episode. <laughs> and I just want to say before I do, for the listener at home, Ben's necklace has been going off this entire <laughs> the episode. Whole time. For Christmas two lights. hours, he's had a Christmas lights necklace that flashes between different colored he's lights. He's changed the intensity. He's walking out of the studio. Bye. He looks great. He's kind of dressed like Batman. He's all in black. It's true. With Christmas lights. Merry Christmas, Steve-O. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you all. This episode, of course, is coming out in early January. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Ange Fergudo for our social media, Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Thanks to Liam Montgomery for our theme song. Go to Tee Public for all your nerdy merch. Go to Reddit. Uh, Blinkies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. And, as always, Crash Bandicoot has big dick energy. I agree. <laughs>